Hi, I'm Jocelyn Aguilera, and you're listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm Christopher T. Philippus, and this is our ongoing series of interview redo specials featuring the interviews we did with the cast and crew of the Quantum Leap Revival series throughout Season 1, most of which appeared only on our YouTube channel. And we are up to Episode 12, Let Them Play, in which Ben has to help his transgender daughter Gia navigate prejudice to get a spot on the high school basketball team. We spoke to multiple people involved in this groundbreaking episode of Quantum Leap. First, Matt, Albie, and I interview episode writer, co-director, and guest star Shakina, who recounts her experiences both in front of and behind the camera. Then Albie and I speak with guest star Bridget Callie-Canales, who plays Gia's mom, Miriam. The three of us are back to interview guest star Anita Calathara, who plays Gia's best friend, Shruti, and we wrap things up with our talk with Gia herself, main guest star Josie Lynn Aguilera. As always, a special shout-out to our producers Harold Sullivan, Glenn De Palma, Chris, a.k.a. Brackmang, Mike Colvert, Jeff Kiska, Craig Riedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Felden. Go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast to learn more about how you can support the show. All right, time to play. Hi, this is Matt, Albie, and Chris at the Quantum Leap Podcast, and uh, this week we've got a really special guest. Uh, we have the fabulous Shakina with us. Uh, Shakina wrote, uh, directed, and guest starred in the latest episode of Quantum Leap, Let Them Play. Uh, Shakina, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Um so yeah, um, we, we definitely want to talk. We, we want to dive in a lot into the uh, the specifics behind the episode itself. But can you perhaps give us a little bit of background about yourself and uh, and how you how you got into uh, Hollywood um, and your your previous roles? Yeah, sure. You know, uh, I'm uh, an actress and a writer and a director and activist, and I I got to do all of that in this one episode. But uh, it took a long time to figure out how to like build a career you know, on top of all of that stuff. So I, I, when I, I grew up in Southern California and, and really I trained as a director for theater and um, I didn't think I would ever be an actor because I didn't think there was ever a place for me to be on stage or on screen as a trans person. Um, even before I transitioned, when I just knew who I was and who, how I wanted to present myself, I just didn't see any opportunity. So, so I was going to just be behind the scenes and um, this episode is, is based off a lot of my experience growing up in South Orange County, California. Um, and, uh, but then I went to New York and, uh, and transitioned and found my artistic voice and, um, started performing, um, and booked my first TV role, which was Lola on Difficult People, which was this, like iconic trans truther hysterical thing that Dottie is also kind of like in the spirit of. And, um, and during the pandemic, I auditioned for this show on NBC called Connecting that was created by Martin Garrow and Brandon Hall. And um, as your listeners probably all know, you know, Martin is the EP and showrunner of this Quantum Leap um, reboot. And so Martin and I hit it off on connecting, making TV from home during the pandemic. And when that show ended, I was like, hey, Martin, I have an idea for a thing. Like, let's talk. And we started developing, you know, uh, 
something that we hope will be a vehicle for me one day. But in the meantime, Martin was like, you should get in a writer's room and, and build, you know, your facilities in that arena. And so um, I asked if he could help me get an interview for Quantum Leap. Um, I wrote a sample, the guys read my sample, they get, I got the interview, the whole thing, you know, there was no, like, uh, other than my sample getting passed, which is a huge deal, and I'm very grateful for Martin doing it, it was, you know, all the the guts and glory of having to, like, claw your way in to be a staff writer um, on, like, the coolest TV show ever, yeah. and uh, and it's kind of funny, because I've, like, on, on in some arenas, I, I feel like I've, like, accomplished a, a great deal, and in, in my separate areas of artistry. And, and yet I was like a newbie in this one, you know? Um, and then when I got thrown in as a director at the end, that was just like the cherry on top. So yeah, that's the story. I think it's amazing um, that uh, you said that you, you came up as a director, mainly a theater director um, for everything that this episode accomplishes um the writing is is so dynamic or had you had much writing experience before getting into that writer's room on quantum leap yeah thankfully you know because i'm trans and there's not a lot out there for me to do as an actor i had to create a lot of my own stuff you know my whole life and so I, you know, I wrote for the theater. I still write for the theater. I, I, I built a career out of doing solo shows. I, I crowdfunded my transition by performing in cabarets with shows that I wrote about my life story. And, um, and then I wrote a play, uh, about my, uh, time in Thailand, uh, where I went for gender confirmation surgery called Chonbori International Hotel and Butterfly Club. And that's actually on Audible and it won a Drama League Award for, um, best audio production in 2021. It's really cool, like great American play about international trans women in Thailand. But I think my my like writing voice, you know, was really honed by my love of storytelling, you know, and like watching good shows and reading good plays and and uh, just understanding what makes dialogue sing and what makes dialogue like hit you in the heart. And uh, I'm really glad I got to juice so much of that into this like 42 minutes. Could you talk a little bit about um, your experience in the writer's room leading up to actually writing this episode? How much of, of you were you able to inject into what was going on in the first dozen episodes and how much of what was going on in the writer's room reflected into what you had planned? I mean, we are all over all of the episodes. You know, what's so great about our room is that it's really collaborative problem solving up to the point that the like final draft is published because you know, we're, we're giving each other ideas and punching up things. And, and then when we're just breaking the story, it's like, who knows where, you know, certain things are going to come from my, uh, you know, favorite contribution to the, um, new, the revised 101 was I got, I, it was my idea to have the tango. Um, and I was like, oh, there's nothing better than a tango for this sort of moment. I don't viewers will remember, you know, but like, if you're going to have like this potential uh, bomb threat, um, and then you're going to be on a dance floor. It needs to be a tango. And so, you know, like I, I bring my little expertise in little places all over all. And especially, you know, when it comes to finding Ian's voice, I think that's really where uh, folks in the room, you know, I think we all know, like we built a diverse room because we want a diverse show and we have a diverse cast. And we want to tell diverse stories. Um, but I think I'm there in a lot of ways to be, uh, you know, a vehicle for for um, for Ian's journey and and identity, and so that's a lot of what where my contributions go. 
Um, were, for this episode in particular, uh, were you able to incorporate a lot of things from your own life and growing up into the characters of this episode? Yeah, in 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 beautiful and painful ways. The the character of Gia is based off my dear friend Gia, who unfortunately didn't make it, and uh, she she took her own life when we were both just starting our transitions and. I kind of carry her with me uh, all the time in everything I do. And also inspired by um, Tony Colleen, AKA Lady Justice, who was a queer youth organizer during the time that I was a queer youth organizer in the late nineties. And we were both rabble rousers in South Orange County, like two districts apart and um, trying to fight for, you know, uh, GSAs in our schools at the dawn of a, of a new era of, you know, queer youth, um, visibility and um, likewise, Lady Justice took her own life, um, and I was like a survivor, you know, and um, and so that's what I came into this episode with, thinking about the story of what if there was someone that Ian knew growing up in the district over who was also trans um, and who had a totally different experience and who and maybe there was something a crisis left unresolved, and how could we sort of mirror that? I don't want to say survivor's guilt, but survivor's responsibility that I carry from my life and um, and sort of do some of my own healing <laughs> and also pay it, like give restore life to um, to my friends, you know, and uh, and and the one of the one of the most uh, clear examples of like the autobiographical crossover is that in the episode, there's this big banner that says hands for equality with like a rainbow of handprints. And the crowd uh, at one point who's there to support Gia, you collectively move that banner in front of the haters who are, have their anti-trans signs. And that sign was actually recreated by the art department. And it was a sign that I made in my high school when I was 17. Um, so, um, you know, it's like really, I, it was so important to me that like, not only do we tell this story, but we tell the story in such a way where people realize this has been going on a while, you know, like the question of trans kids being safe in school is not new. You know, I went through it in the late nineties. This episode takes place in 2012. We're in 2023, you know, we got to get with the program. Was there anything specifically that you put in the script that made it different from 2023 to actually take place in uh, 2012, like uh, different things that were maybe less advanced. I know it's hasn't hardly moved forward at all with the hate and discrimination. But is there anything that you specifically did uh, to to make it a, a 2012 version of uh, Gia's situation? Well, you know what's so interesting is that some these the bigotry is kind of an unchanging face. You know what I'm saying? So the the stuff that I experienced is no different than like stuff that the people who came before me experienced and stuff that gets to experience in terms of the, you know, ignorance. And so what I wanted to do was like create a kind of universal story about um, being a trans kid in a, and, uh, and, and being parents to a trans kid. And then I had fun kind of couching it in 2012 for the purposes of our larger story, like finding fun ways to reference things and, and especially with the soundtrack and make it feel like part of the world. There are aspects of 2012 that I didn't go into. Like, for example, Jazz Jennings was 
really out in the world trying to be on her basketball team. And that created, you know, like some media scandal back in, in that same year. But I wanted this to be like a, a community and a family story, you know, and a school story and not like ripped from the headlines, you know? Um, also, there were some things actually when I first started writing it where I was using language that was too advanced and I had to pull it back, like, because we weren't talking about non-binary identity and they, them pronouns and stuff. And so, you know, that's got to be like, that's why we kind of focus um, Mason's dialogue and Ian's monologue on, you know, with a little more non-binary nuance because we were kind of, you know, telling multiple stories. It's like, how often do you get to tell multiple trans points of view in one episode of television ever, let alone on network TV primetime, let alone quantum leap, mm. you know? It's it's funny you mentioned the multiple points of view because that's one thing that struck me about the script. It was so packed with great stuff, but it's not just Gia's point of view. You had the point of view um, of the bigoted mom, the Karen, I called her, the evil Karen of the story, the school administrator, Gia's mm -hmm. parents, um, the, um, the ally slash accomplice through Addison. It seemed to me like you were serving a, a lot of different um, audiences in this one script. Was that a very conscious choice? Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, we didn't want to turn anyone away. We don't want anyone to turn off the TV. We want everyone to watch through the end. And that's not just for the ads. That's because that we believe the message is, is inclusive and, and heart changing, you know, and, and I grew up with the original quantum leap and I remember the power of that show to change hearts and minds, you know, and I remember like sitting on the couch with my family at 10 years old, hearing my parents talk about don't ask, don't tell after that, uh, after the, you know, running for honor episode and, and being a kid and being like, they're really talking about me, you know? And so I'm hoping that that's what this will do for like a new wave of uh, young trans people and, and families who are wrestling with it. And, and uh, also, you know, it's funny, I was at a party um, <laughs> not too long ago and, um, and I like gestured over to a friend and I was like, come to the table. And they laughed at me because they were like, that's so Shakina, come to the table. Because I really am just like, I want us all to talk about it, you know? I want us all to like, just sit down and like, like get our senses, you know? And I think that's what I tried to do with this episode was just boil it down to the essentials of, you know, we don't wanna lose our children. So we need to figure out a better way to keep our kids safe and let them express themselves. And that's just across the board. I believe this episode is groundbreaking in many ways, just as an episode of television, but especially for an episode of network television. It's 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 something that I think is going to be like a, a milestone for television that when people look back in the history of uh, trans rights, that they'll they'll mark this episode as as a key uh, point. And um, I to that note, I want to ask you about the great opportunity you got to write this episode, direct this episode and guest star in this episode. And uh, I'm sure like many trans individuals, you had struggles growing up with the world, not recognizing you for who you were. And I'm sure probably a lot of bad things happened. Like you said, you lost friends. Uh, so going for on that journey from that to being in front of the camera, acting in an episode you're directing and you wrote, for network television. Can you explain the feeling? Was there like a sense of validation? 
it was so exciting. And there was a kind of, there was a kind of um, courage that it took to like face every step of the imposter syndrome, you know, cause it was so many first time things for me. Uh, and, uh, and I think the validation didn't come until we finished. And I like thought about what I just did, you know, but I'll say that from the beginning, none of it was planned or guaranteed to be the way it was. I mean, even when I got the job, in the writer's room as a staff writer, I wasn't guaranteed an episode. I didn't know I'd be writing my own episode first season. I didn't know that NBC, you know, they, they, that, um, Brian Steven told me when I, when I first, you know, was in my interview that they were committed to addressing trans topics first season, because obviously Mason was a series regular, but I, I didn't know the extent to which I would be entrusted to contribute. Then getting this episode, just being like, Hey, NBC, can we do an episode about trans kids in sports? I promise it'll be like good and we'll do it right. And that whole battle, I mean, I'm not a battle because it, it, it was all collaborative and all positive, but it took a lot more work and a lot more attention to detail and, and pass throughs of the script with various people in different offices and, and consultants with Glad and just making sure that we were really doing it, you know, being being intentional about what we were saying and the ways we were representing all points of view, as we said. So then it got written and and in the writing of it, you know, I mentioned to Martin that I wanted to like maybe have a guest star moment this season, but I also, also thought that I didn't want to be in the trans episode. I thought like, no, 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 like I'm gonna write the trans episode, that'll be the trans episode. And then like, let me just do something fun somewhere else that has nothing to do with whatever. But when we discovered what was going to be happening in the HQ storyline with uh, with the the character of Dottie, who we just called the poet for the longest time uh, when we were breaking it, I thought, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. Like, let me turn this mysterious character into a Shakespearean clown and be the comic relief for this really emotionally gripping episode and just do what I do and make a fool of myself. And I also was a spoken word artist. Like when I was like growing up in the nineties, like it was so true. It's like such an authentic part <laughs> of me up, up there in those scenes. And, um, and then the directing was literally on day one, unfortunately, um, Mornike, our, our, our episode director got pulled and we, and, and we didn't know what was going to happen. Gris, Chris Grismer, who's our producing director stepped in to finish the day and then that night there was like, oh, who was going to, what are we going to do? Well, Chris will just whatever until Morniki comes back. And, and then I texted uh, the executive producers um, and I said, this whole episode is a put me in coach episode. <laughs> you know, this is the moment like I've, I've, I've accomplished, I've done 30 episodes of TV as an actor. You know, I wrote the episode. I'm the trans one, like put me in coach, <laughs> you know? And that morning, Martin called me and was like, so uh, you're going to direct. And it was Veterans Day. It was the day we were shooting Caitlin's monologue ab about being a veteran, I mean, and not speaking up for trans rights on Veterans Day. And uh, without the authority of the union or the studio uh, or the network, because they were all closed, huh. I... Um, Went to set and direct. So, wow. and that's how it started. Well, I know we're wow. all thinking this. But Let's take a sip of water real quick. <laughs> you, you need someone with a lot of directing experience to be able to just jump in and do that with no planning and do a good <laughs> job of it. I'm absolutely bowled over. I think we all assumed this had all this was all part of the plan and you'd had weeks to prep for it and had it. Okay. Shocked face. <laughs> <laughs> Multifaceted. Well, but I will say that 
<laughs> um, more Nike Joella Evans, who is our um, a, a, a episode director, my co-director of the episode. Um, I had already let her know about my interest in directing, you know, and was like, can I shadow you? So I was like very aware of the, her prep process going into it. So I had the advantage of the groundwork that she laid. Also, Anna Mortegi, who is the director of photographer for every other episode, like every other literally of this um, season, was my DP and was such a dream to work with. And truly everybody, I walked in and I was like, I'm going to ask every question and I'm going to lean on everyone here to tell me what I don't know so that I can do the best job. And the thing is that this episode inspired so much heart from everybody, from the Dolly guy to the the, to the catering crew to, you know, like the execs, like everyone was just heart in on this episode. And so it was like the obvious thing to do was like support this trans woman and, and, and let's go. And like, there was one day, my favorite moment of the whole, like when it really all hit me was when we were shooting in the gym and we were shooting the basketball game and they had these big windows up behind where the uh, crowd is sitting and we had, you know, blasting lights coming through. And, um, and I like, couldn't, couldn't see, it was so bright. And I was like, does anyone have a hat or something, you know? And the crane operators were like, Shakina, come on. And they gave me, I don't have, I wish I had it with me to show you. They gave me like a trucker cap with like the, tr the like the crane company logo on it. And I just started crying because to me, that is like, you know, like I was like, the respect that that, you know, establishes um, and the teamwork and the camaraderie and also just the dream of getting to like shoot something with a crane, like that's Hollywood, you know what I mean? So it was, that was the moment for me when, when they gave me the, that hat, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I think you also were very fortunate in the fact that um, you had found and um, not you, but the show had found and uh, casted um, Joselyn as as Gia because she was uh, an amazing actress. And mm -hmm. like so much of the episode revolved around her it was all on her shoulders. And mm -hmm. um, I think you guys she did such a great job. Um was she able to bring any of um, nuance to it from her experience, from her background? Was there any collaboration there while you were on set? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally from her callback, I, I was talking with her at, at her callback and, and I was like, you know, like, was there any aspect of Gia's story that you connected with or, and she was like, this was literally my life. I came out in high school. I transitioned in high school. My cousins made jokes like these guys make jokes. Like this is like literally what I went through. And, and we, you know, something really special that happened on this set, which I think is just a very rare and magical thing is that we had multiple trans women. I mean, you had me and Trace Lissette and Josie Lynn and then these kids. And like when, when we were establishing the tone of a scene and it was like the three of us talking about how it should go down, no one else in the world could understand the, the specific, the specificity of that, the nuance of that, you know, there's almost an unspoken way in which the guard is lowered and the communication becomes like much more, uh, un, unchecked, 
you know, the scene with Trace and Josie Lynn, this is a scene that um, in the driveway uh, is one of my favorite scenes in the episode. This was, we shot on day one. It was Josie Lynn's first scene. It's the probably the most intense scene she shoots. And it was the first day Mornika was directing and I was there with them as the writer, like on set producing with them. And just watching them have that conversation about what it was like for Trace to drop up out and, and join the ballroom houses, which is Trace's story, you know? It's like, it was just, it was a real life moment that hardly ever gets to happen because we don't often have a sense of trans history or intergenerational mentorship. And uh, it's certainly something we don't see on TV, let alone network TV, you know? So it just was like mind blowing to experience. And and Josie Lynn is, is uh, incredible and, I'm so great that the world is going to get to meet her through this. While you were proposing this show, because you had mentioned, you know, this being sort of much, much more than they'll ever usually approach on a network TV show. Um, were there any special hurdles that you guys faced? Any um, sort of pushback that you had to navigate around to, to tell the story the way you wanted to tell it? Yeah, you know, I'll share with, you know, your audience, your your listeners that um, I had two intentions going into the episode, which was to challenge the tropes of, of isolation and trauma with joy and community. And that's what I wanted to do, because anytime you get a, a trans story, it's one person and they're like lonely and sad and going through terrible times. So um, well, obviously we need drama. It's a we're a drama show. It's 10 p.m. We got to have like reason to tune back in after the commercial break. But, um, but I didn't want to rely on, on those tropes. After I broke and pitched the story the first time through, I got a note that was like, there's not enough happening to, to Gia's character to warrant her running away. We need to like amp it up. And I was like, what do you mean? There's not enough happening to her. Like literally every page is heartbreaking for me. And it was so vulnerable for me as the writer and the person who like lived this because I'm like, don't you see how violent this is? Don't you see how painful and traumatic? And um, and so, you know, kind of against my better judgment and advisement, I created a treatment that was harsher. And um, everyone read it and it was like, God, no, that's terrible. No one wants to see that. No one wants that. And like, I was like, thank you. Like, it does not work. You know, and sometimes you have to go down those roads to find where you're going, you know. But um, the difference is, I'll say that, you know, it's one thing if you're like, oh, we need to solve a problem in our plot. So should it be A or B? Let's write it and figure it out and go the other way. It's another thing if you're like, can you trudge up all your trauma and then make it worse and more painful? Never mind, we don't need you to do that. And I was like, <laughs> you know, like it was a lot. It was very exhausting. Um, and, uh, you know, but um, but it was also so incredible to be like in the principal's office, like rewriting the scene. Like I didn't play sports, but I got kicked out of schools, you know, schools. And so um, like I like to be in that principal scene and working with Josie Lynn and Lucy about like just rewriting my own history through the story that I was telling with these girls and, and then in a real high school, you know, like it was just so meta. And then I was like, this is literally, I'm quantum leaping <laughs> as I'm creating quantum leap because I'm rewriting my own history and changing my present. Like what is going on? 
And were you were you also conscious throughout that that there's kids today going through that exact situation, and hopefully by seeing this happen on screen, you're then changing their future? Yeah. Well, I'm pleased to say that on Friday I'm going back to um, Verdugo Hills High School where we shot with all the girls from the basketball team, and we're doing a screening for the kids because we were like, we were in your home for a week making this thing. Do you want to see what we made? So we're going to go show them the episode and do a Q&A with a bunch of different student groups, the AAPI student group and the uh, Latinx student group and the LGBT student group and the anti-bullying group and the basketball teams. Like we're just having a big assembly um, and showing them the episode and having a conversation about it. I think it's going to be really, really Brilliant. powerful. That's amazing. I have a few uh, nerdy technical and time travel questions uh, since we have the writer here of the episode. Um, yeah. uh, one, one little technical one. Uh, when I was watching I the basketball part. scenes, I was, it really evoked memories of the leap home. Was that in the same gymnasium or was it, uh, lit or designed to look similar? No, was but I just feeling it. It's just one of those, it's one of those like tonal synchronicities. That's like so beautiful and harmonious, but kind of accidental, you know, we, I, I had a, up till a certain point, I was pitching the episode as soccer. And then for many, many production-oriented reasons, we switched to basketball. Uh, and, but then basketball became so much more relevant because of that connection. Oh, cool. Uh, my time travel questions. Uh, 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 the first one is um, when we get one of those first scenes uh, between Addison and Ian, and Ian remembers that Gia had won the game. That is a different timeline, I'm assuming, than uh, when Addison entered uh the imaging chamber. And um, so is that, yeah. was that put in there on purpose by the writer's room to kind of educate the audience on that's kind of what happens. Uh, but that Addison is actually jumping around to different, let's say alternate realities. I don't know how you want to say it. You know, we are, we have not broached multiverse in our show yet. As you see, I, I'm not going to talk about what we talk about in the writer's <laughs> room. We have a lot of conversations around multiverse in the mm -hmm. writer's room, but in terms of our show, uh, philosophy around time travel that we don't we don't yet go into that sort of uh, language, but I think what we introduced with this I've been bested by my own technology mm -hmm. thing is that um, we have the ability to change the present by through the things we do in the past, and we haven't yet explored that in this season uh, until this right. very moment. So. I think what was really fun in this episode is that we got to kind of crack open a little bit of how our science works. And then you're going to get to see us explore that now that you know it's a convention that um, we'll have to grapple with. So the fact and that you can change the past and that the project team is aware of those changes, is that something that's going to... I, I know you're sort of alluding to this. I'm just trying to really pin you down on this. Is that something that's <laughs> going to pay off in these final half dozen episodes? Yeah. Well, there, I mean, I'll just, I think that my episode teases a lot, Good, you know, and that's what I, I'm also so happy that in addition to being like a groundbreaking, like, like world changing trans rights episode, it also just eps with quantum leap in a big way, which I'm just like, that's part I'm excited about. Yeah, all okay. the lore stuff in this one, I thought was fantastic. And um, Ian's lines had me laughing out loud. And I just, uh, this is the first time that I've been able to speak to one of the writers uh, for the new series. I mean, we spoke to Dean and, you know, I guess he's got his hand in everything though. Um, 
I would like to know what the process is at the beginning of the season when you're breaking the entire season. Do you like have different topics that you know that you want to cover? Does everybody pitch a certain kind of leap? And then how do you work the mythology stuff into it all? How does, how does, is that a separate track? Like how do you, how do you figure it all out? Yeah, that's so cool. I I just took for granted that you had all the writers. Well, now I feel special. (laughs) Um, So at the beginning of the season, you know, the, first of all, I'll say that Martin and Dean have a few things worked out on their own. You know, they're the showrunners. They have a kind of master plan. So they know there's like some benchmark things that they want to see happen in the lives of these characters. And then it's um, it's funny because nothing happens at once. It's all these like incremental uh, idea building because you have to think about and from in my point of view, the writer's room is like going into like the static and trying to find the EVPs of your character. If you're like a ghost hunter, it's like you, you just have to let all the bad ideas out and then download the good ones from the ether, you know, and slowly the season starts to make sense. And then the episodes start to make sense. The great thing about quantum leap is that we have self-contained badass stories week to week. And then we have our, you know, season arc with our headquarter characters and stuff. So, um, so there's a little bit of, of, of shifting gears, you know, week to week or even day to day. Like in the morning, we'll talk about mythology and we'll figure out like, all right, if we want to introduce this supervillain, what is the twist and turn that we need in like episode five or seven to get nine to be really cool? You know, and we start plotting those things. Um, other times we're like, okay. Who wants to do what leap? What what movie are we remaking in 42 minutes? You know, like what's what's everyone's favorite genre? What do you want to attack? You know, and then we just start like, you know, pitching on um these, you know, every every writer in the room has 10 episodes they're ready to write at any moment. So it's just about finding out which ones make the the right current and and welcome as broad scope of an audience in and you know, all that stuff. We have to talk about the holy shit moment of this episode towards the end. When when your character of Dottie pulls out that pad and we're all, you know, racing through our heads. Who could this be? Who could this be? And we're yeah. assuming probably Ben, but who could it be? Sam, who knows? And it's Ian. Holy crap. Uh, can you talk about where that idea came from? How long ago did you have it? Yeah. Was it always in this episode? I just want to know everything you can you can tell us. It wasn't originally in this episode. It was, well, it was always going to be in 12, but originally Let Them Play was going to be 11. And for any number of reasons, we had to swap them, which I'm so glad we did because it's such it's such an awesome way to see Ian go into the imaging chamber and then to learn seconds later that they've become a leaper, you know? And it's like, how did that happen? But we, we definitely had seeded for months that we needed to reveal... Um, that a future Ian had leapt into someone uh, in our present. And that was something we knew that we were trying to figure out when we were going to reveal. And then, uh, like I was saying earlier, this character that we had was, we just called the poet. And, um, and as we got into it, I just started, I just kept pitching that the poet was so absurd and, and dumb and like, just, you know, thought like just really uh, a ridiculous kind of, clown fool like archetypally and um, which is not something we do a lot on our show you know we like our show is very very funny but it's mostly kind of snide and snarky and and quick and quippy and to have a kind of just straight up comic relief character um 
you know, it took a little encouraging. Like, you know, I, I, like I said, nothing was guaranteed. We had to pitch it up to the network. Like I didn't have to audition for it or anything, but we had to get approval all the way up. Like, can Shakina play this part? Can we do it this way? You know, even to the point of like, you know, my decision to transform my appearance throughout and kind of deconstruct what we think of, uh, you know, a trans person needs to look like. Um, so yeah, it, uh, it all came together. Um, again, synchronistically. Did you dig out all your old poetry books from when you were doing uh, performative <laughs> poetry and find the worst ones you could? <laughs> Which overlaps with what um, I was about to ask. Is, actually, is there a full version of that Febreze poem kicking around? <laughs> um, so, no, the Febreze poem. So, basically, I um, improvised the first line of every shot. Like, they just would tell action and I would just start. And so the Febreze line was such a winner that I was like, can you just add it back? But that's from a different take. <laughs> but it was such a good line that I was like, it's so good. Um, but uh, no, I um, I don't need to look far to, I, I all my um, earnest high school poetry lives in my heart rent free. So um, I had it right there, you know? And um, yeah, it was so much fun to do. But what I love about it too, is that if you listen to it, I'm really trying to say something meaningful, you know, I'm just being a dumbass while I'm doing it, but it's like, you know, I am the other and the other is me, you know, I am another and the other is we like, it's, it's really the message of what quantum leap is like trying to teach people and, um, and what I think can save trans kids. So literally it's all woven together, you know? And just for the record, I was I was really referring to the Febreze, the Febreze part of it and the toast. I think you said something about smelling toast, but uh, no, the other is me, and the other that oh, to me that she was just it loneliness, but I called it toast. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but the other part, the other is we is the other is me. I thought that was pure quantum leap. I mean that that it dovetailed so well with the themes right? of the episode, like, but with the themes of the series overall, you know, and right. that's another thing this episode did amazingly Right, is um, bringing together some of the, the, <clears throat> the more complex themes of quantum leap with the journey that Ben's on. And I liked how you had Ben uh, try yeah. to tell his story by proxy and how uh, Gia just shut him down. Yeah. Because it's, I'm sure it's yeah. all very nice, but, how is this relevant? You know, and it, it it's another learning moment for yeah, um, yeah. the transparents in this. They had a, a journey as well. And the fact that even though they're supportive, yeah. there could be a detrimental effect on, on her life without even realizing it. I thought that that was a, an amazing turn in the episode. Well, I just wanted, I just wanted it to like overflow with compassion. You know, that's what I wanted. And first of all, which I think is a quality of quantum leap. But, and I, and I wanted to create a quintessential Quantum Leap episode. You know, I don't know how many episodes of the show I'm going to get to write. What a gift. We didn't know if we were going to get renewed. Like, I wanted to write the episode that felt like the Quantum Leap I knew and rem remembered and loved, you know? And um, and then, and and I didn't want there, I, I didn't want there to be a, a, sh a shameful villain. Even Margie, you know, the Karen character, like she has a turn because she, I think ultimately parents are just trying to protect their kids, you know, because it's a scary world out there and it's a scary time to be a parent and uh, it's a scary time to go to school, you know? And so um, I guess I was just trying to like filter out some of that, some of the noise and get to the, the 
the place where these characters are feeling because that's how we that's how we really affect each other and how we communicate you know and how we change things is like by changing the way someone feels about something and so yeah getting to see um all the characters in Gia's life um learn from her how to show up in a way that's more affirming and supportive is is um you know hopefully gives a kind of prismatic access to that same topic for our audiences with this episode i think uh you've made a fan for life uh right here uh this uh you you mentioned you wanted to make it the quantum leap you uh remember and i really felt this was the most quantum leap episode of the new series it 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 really hit it out of the park uh it, it's it's going to be one of those episodes that people think about when they think about quantum leap you know looking back in the future so I want I would just want to thank you for making this beautiful piece of art. Thanks, Ali. I, I really appreciate that. And and uh I I really am honored to be a link in the chain, you know, because uh I just think it's uh when you believe in storytelling that can change the world, you, your your greatest wish is that your story goes out there and makes someone else tell their story and and onward and onward. And the fact that I'm here alive writing and directing and producing and guest starring in quantum leap when when you know the show gave me a little bit of courage you know when i was a child it's like that's just that's magic and i'm just so happy that i'm part of it i, I want to ask so many questions about <laughs> um because you're talking now about the legacy of of the show and the magic of the show and yeah you know we've seen some connective tissue between um this build of project quantum leap and um you know name dropping at least of sam and al and magic experience um is there any mm -hmm. plan to um bring the two series closer together because aside from just some mentions there's not a lot that's um the same uh, even the build is different. The technology seems to be different. Ben is leaping yeah. outside of his own lifetime. Ian apparently can just walk yep. into the imaging chamber and see everything. Yep. Uh, you know, it's it in many ways it's worlds apart from the original. And I want to know if there is even any discussion mm -hmm. in the writers' room. How conscious is that decision? And are you cognizant of the separations and the similarities? Yeah, I think we're really conscious of it in a couple different ways. We talk about, even in story, we'll talk about, okay, well, the old Quantum Leap would have done this. So what do we do? You know, and it's not, a, not that it's a bad thing, but it's like, you know, all right, we understand the, the trope, the tried and true, but we're trying to, you know, find new twists and new turns. And so we're always kind of looking for examples in the original source material. Every time we're breaking a story, we're like, well, okay, well, they did that in like, you know, season three, uh, but it was like this. And, you know, so we're always sort of um, reflecting back on what the history is. Um, and in terms of the like empathy, compassion, you know, humanity of the show, that is why everyone's in the room. I mean, that's why everyone took the job and that's why we show up every day and why we spend countless hours trying to like hone these stories because even the ones that feel like they might just be like action adventure -y, you know, not so um, like heart and soul, we're, we're trying to like grapple with an aspect of humanity and, and we hope that that translates to our audience. So that is essential. And then in terms of the like mythology and the tech and the science and the characters of the original, 
you know, it's a dance. And um, a lot of those decisions are way above my pay grade. But Mm -hmm. I will say that as we've started to break season two, there are some really cool um, threads that we're weaving that, as you said, pull the old season and the new season closer together and the new series closer together. And uh, I think as you see the groundwork laid for that, you'll, I hope that you'll, you know, feel um, like rewarded by the Easter eggs and and enheartened by the way that we embrace the legacy of the show. Hey, I'm I'm easy. I'm just happy when I hear a Hanna Barbera sound effect coming out of the hand link. So <laughs> it's, it's very easy to get me. <laughs> and can you uh, tease the audience a little bit with? Uh, the rest of this uh, Ian uh, being on that pad and what could possibly happen without, of course, without spoiling anything, but just give us a little, maybe a crumb <laughs> so we can just sit back and I speculate. Mean, in my, I'll tell you my vision. Okay. I'll tell you my, like, in my, like, season, like my five season vision is that Ian is like an ascended master on a mountaintop <laughs> wizard without needing Ziggy or an imaging chamber or an accelerator and simply leaping through their, expanded consciousness and their, you know, co-harmonious relationship with AI. That's what, but that's me. And that's season five. So we'll see what happens. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Yeah. I, 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 I love we'll that. follow that. <laughs> Sounds exactly on par for season five of quantum leap is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So we, we've discussed so many um, different aspects of the writing process and this episode um, in general. Are there any other aspects of this production or the show that um, we haven't touched upon that you'd like to, to tell us about? Yeah, and I, I just think, uh, you know, I'd like to leave your listeners with, uh, you know, this kind of reality check as much as we're talking about a really great, fantastic work of science fiction that... Uh, just in the last couple of weeks that we've been prepping to release the episode, four different states have passed laws prohibiting trans kids from playing sports at school. So it's so real, the issue that we're talking about. It's so present and it's so painful and unnecessary. And I just hope that, uh, you know, people who might not have been exposed to this issue before and who are fans of Quantum Leap and, and who found the heart of this story moving might um, think about how they can act locally to make sure that the trans kids in their neighborhoods, like Addison says, like you can only be in charge of the people who are under your command. You can't change everything, but you can, you can help where you can. So, um, you know, how can you make sure that the trans kids in your community are safe? How can you make sure that the parents of trans kids in your community have the support they need to be good parents? Um, That's everybody's, you know, job to ask that question. Very well said, and I think you've you've also uh, created an hour of TV that is going to validate and help a lot of trans kids feel seen, which in itself is just uh, marvelously important and um, yeah, uh, amazing thing to have done. Thank you. Yeah, hope so. <laughs> Uh, so, Chikina, once again, thank you so much for giving us uh, so much of your time and and sharing uh, so much of your personal story. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. And we are thrilled to welcome to the show Bridget Kelly Canales. Bridget, welcome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So good to be here. 
Um, it's, it's terrific. We've been talking to a lot of people involved in this episode of Quantum Leap. You are maybe part of Quantum Leap history. This might be one of the most significant episodes that the show has ever done for um, issues-oriented uh, themes, uh, which the show is famous for. So um, if you don't mind, can you tell us a little bit about the journey that, that brought you into the show and how you got the role as Miriam? Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I got the audition and I remember getting it. And, um, I had actually just had, this is a little bit, um, a little too TMI, right. But I had just had a peel done on my face. <laughs> I remember I told my husband, God, this peel, I'd never had a peel before. And I told him I had this peel and I think I look like a crazy person, but I really think I have to audition for it because I feel like I get this character. I get, I, I get what she's going through. I get what she's fighting for. And, you know, Eric, I think. I, I think I'm just going to tape it. And he's like, I don't know about that, baby. You know, mm-hmm. you're looking a little rough. <laughs> and I said, I, I just feel it. I feel it in my heart. And the thing about uh, the characters that you, you book sometimes, most of the time when you book something, at least it's happened for me that way, you know it. You know that there's there's a calling. There's something inside of you that tells you this is a fit and, and this has to be done. And that's what I felt with with that role. And I just felt like I understood her her passion and what she was fighting for for her daughter's freedom, you know, and for for justice for her daughter and and for her daughter to be able to live a life of of equality and a life where she could grow up and not feel afraid of the world and how the world was going to perceive her and and whatever she felt like she was and the journey that. I, my character Miriam was going to go through with Gia um, because, you know, you're constantly learning from, from your, ch- I learned from my nieces. I'm not a mom yet. And I'm constantly learning from my nieces. Um, I'm learning things about myself, about my weaknesses, about my strengths, about things about myself. I don't like that. I'm like, Oh gosh, I, I have that within me. Oh man, I don't like that quality in me. And then going through the process of trying to become better and so when I finally got the script and I was reading some of the, you know, the, the lessons that were there, I thought, wow, this was so, so perfectly written. And so it was written in a way that you, it makes you see ugly sides of you and, and good sides of you and everything in between. And I was grateful for that because I think you don't always get that on TV and you you rarely get situations like this. Thankfully, there's a lot more of it happening and a lot more of it being exposed. And so it creates the platform where where people can can be can feel like they can be seen and they there's a place for them to say, okay, hey, hey, I know exactly what that feels like and and I relate to that and and, and that's that's me. That's me in a way. And so I felt like the way Miriam and Gia's relationship ends up playing out, which you guys will see there, there's all those lessons and there's all those, those uh, situations where every parent will be able to relate to it. And there was a lot of, a lot of soul on set, you know, um, it was a very emotional, uh, set and there was like, I had goosebumps all the time and I didn't know why. And, and, you know, that's a powerful thing when when you feel that on a set because you're like, wow, it's something beyond 
Yeah, I was I was going to ask you about that aspect of it because we had the good fortune to talk to Shakina yeah. who wrote and directed the episode and she is just phenomenal. And we had approached this with her a little bit, but I wanted to know from from your point of view what the set was like because you were talking about such a relevant uh topic and not one that you see uh, portrayed often on an hour-long network drama yeah. of, of all places. So was there a back and forth about how you should approach certain themes? And um, I, I know it's all there on the page, but there's also a lot of subtext and nuance, um, especially when you're dealing with, with – there's just so much in the script that you had to convey. So I was just wondering if um, – did you have any kind of um, discussions with Shakina and with Josie Lynn about their experiences and some of the nuances that um, they maybe want to get across um, when you were interacting with them? Yeah, you know, Shakina uh, used, I'm sure you guys spoke about this, but there were, uh, she had two very good friends, one of which she based uh, the character uh, on. And, um, and so she was very open about that. And we were able to talk about situations in life that have been very scarring, you know, that have made life a little bit, uh, have been those moments in life where you're kind of hit hard and then you're, it kind of shakes you. And so we were able to connect on, on those, uh, uh, that, that subject matter and those situations and open up about it and open our hearts. And I knew exactly, I knew exactly who Miriam was. I knew, you know, mom's, can be ferocious like a mother when she's fighting for her child will do whatever she has to do and for me that was what I was doing I was fighting for my my little girl uh with every inch of me you know and if I had to take on the world I would have because I knew that that's what she needed and you know she she told me my well my daughter what Gia told me in the episode and there were really harsh moments where she was, where I was like, wow, this is, this sucks. God, is this what being a mom's going to be like? Damn. <laughs> where she's telling me, you know, you're trying to hide me. You're not letting me be free. And you're not, you're not really being a good mom. And I was like, oh my God, you know, to hear that, to hear those words, um, was really painful because I could, you know, I have a, a a younger sister and my sister, and I told this to Shakina, this is how we really connected. My little sister was born with a scar and she had to have a few surgeries and her fifth surgery ended up leaving her with a big scar on her face. And so I told Shakina the story about my little sister running from her school, uh, elementary school to my middle school, and all the little kids were running behind her and they were like, scar face, scar face. And it was so cruel. And I remember my sister running to me and like holding me. And I was like, get away from my sister, like screaming like a monster. I got crazy. I was, I still remember how I felt. And I told her, this is who Miriam is. I get it. I know who Miriam is. And so obviously Shakina's a great writer. So there's Miriam fighting, then there's Miriam failing. Then there's Mir Miriam failing again. Then there's Miriam being taught a lesson. Then there's Miriam understanding. Then there's Miriam fighting again. And then there's Gia rising, right? And everyone seeing, finding a place for Gia and saying, you're just one of us. What are we doing? You know, this is ridiculous. Um, and then finally Gia being able to, to you know, fly, um, which is ultimately what a parent wants. And so, you know, this whole, 
this whole process felt like I could really relate to it because of that experience with my sister. Cause it was so, it, it was, that's what it was. It was scarring. It really left, uh, um, it's, it's print in my, my heart and my life. And so Shakina's Shakina is so open, you know, and she was talking to me about immediately she's trying to help my sister. And so we really connected on that. And, and I felt like that was really where I found Gia. Gia to me was really like, it was, I felt like I was just protecting my, my little sister in a way. And then that gave me, me wings to be a mother, if that makes any sense. I don't, it, was, it became very personal for me, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, there were constantly moments on set where Shakina would just come to us, give us an example, ground us, and then, and then kind of let us be because the words were great. So when it's written great, it, it just kind of takes off by itself. You let the words do the work, you know? Yeah. I, I, I was really, um, very surprised and pleasantly so at the, I guess it was like the, the last act turn when we find out what you've done as a mom to try to protect Gia, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and the fact that she couldn't play, uh, because that was just the deal that they made. Yeah. And when, when she runs and it basically boils down to you being a mom and so supportive yet you are still in some way having a detrimental effect on her life. When she yells, your, your fear is not my responsibility. Oh. That, that sent chills through my spine. I mean, that was, that was a great scene on both of you and it, you guys played it. I, I was so surprised because you think that you, you, like you said, you're, you're the, you're the mom, you're, you're protecting, you're there. And that is your, your sole intent is to protect this child. And it turns out that, wait a minute, maybe, maybe you have something to learn too. Lessons. You know? Yeah. 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 So yeah. Um, I, I know we're talking a lot about specifics in the episode. Can you tell us just generally about, I mean, how cool is it to be on the set of quantum leap? <laughs> oh my God. You know, like what's it like to work with Ray and you know, did you get to interact with any of the other main cast members? Yeah. My scenes were mainly with Ray. So, you know, it was, it was basically, he's my, he plays my, my husband in a way, you know? So that's the person mm-hmm. I spent the most time with, but I got to see everyone a little bit for the most part. And everyone was just so kind and, and fun. And it was a really easygoing set. And there was a really light energy, which is always awesome when you're on set and things feel light and happy and joyful and everyone feels grateful. You know, that's, that's some, that's one of the best things about uh, work uh, when it doesn't ever feel like work, if that makes any sense. Um, so that was awesome. And the universal lot is so cool. I mean, you know, they have all these little, I don't know if you guys have talked about other episodes, but there was one where they had to put all this sand out and it was like, kind of like a, a Western and I, we drove right by it and all the houses are so gorgeous and they're empty, but they're cool, <laughs> you know? So that was really, really neat to have that experience. Cause I'd never worked for the universal, uh, studios. Um, I'd worked for other studios, but not that one. So that was a real treat, but more than anything, the people, that's what really it's all about. And it's a really tight knit family. And, and the first season of a show is always, people are kind of getting to know each other still. So, you know, it's still kind of like, Oh, feeling each other out. But in this set, it really felt like everyone already got through that and was close already. So it was really, it was a real gift to be part of that set and that team. What were the days like uh, when you were filming in the high school for the 
basketball scenes and you were uh, cheering on uh, Gia, your daughter? They were awesome. It was, we did three days out there and um, there were kids in actual school that were there. <laughs> so they'd all be like, what are you guys you know, doing? Uh, <laughs> peeking their heads in. Uh, but, you know, there was, um, there was a lot of support and Shakina brought out a beautiful part of the community and she really made everyone feel so seen and special. And, and uh, I remember just the smiles all around me and people so excited to be there and just the feeling, you know, I, I can't explain it. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but it's that, it's that like, it's a frequency, right? Where you feel like, wow, there's just something around that's, there's so much love right now. And it's like that feeling in your body, you know what I'm talking about? Where you kind of get those little, little goosebumps on your body and then you see the joy. And so you're just looking around you and you're like, wow, people are happy. People are very grateful right now. And uh, that's what it was like. That's really what it was like. So nobody was tired. Nobody was complaining. Everyone was just happy. Yeah. We had uh, complimented Shakina because um, in our estimation, our, our humble estimation, uh, this episode of Quantum Leap um, shares a lot of the same feeling of the classic series. And I'm just wondering um, how familiar or how are you familiar at all with the original Quantum Leap? Were you a fan of uh, of the show back way back when? You know, I'd, I've never even seen one episode. Forgive me. <laughs> I just I had it. Um for me, it was just really what drew me was the writing. I loved the writing when I read for it. I thought, this is great writing. Um, you know, sometimes some series, when you read the writing, you're like, okay, all right, I get it. Um, they need me to hit the speed and okay, we, you know, we know what we got to do here. But this writing was, uh, it was just beautiful. So it was easy to go for the ride. And what I mean by that is some the words when they're written in a very specific way, they just take you and you don't have to practice. You don't have to, I'm going to do this here. You just kind of go and, and whatever surfaces surfaces, but it works because it's truthful. This episode has to do with a lot of trans issues and you were working with a lot of trans actors. And uh, did you in any way learn more about the trans community than you had known before uh, working with everyone? I did. I felt like I was a lot more exposed, you know, and uh, and I, I loved learning and I loved seeing, you know, I don't I, I'm I'm also not like um, I'm not Generation Z. So I don't have it's not I'm, I'm I'm a millennial, so I didn't grow up with as much of that. And so I don't I don't I didn't know a lot about specific terms, the specific things that I feel like I, I should know about that now I feel much more comfortable and 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 it just feels like second nature now you know it's not like i don't think about it as much and i'm like oh yeah okay when you're not exposed it's a new thing but i feel like this that's what's good about this that we're all gonna learn more and i love that shakina used this relationship with mother daughter uh to really put that out there because it's what what really happens right and so i, I really feel like with miriam I feel like Miriam could be my one of my best friends. It could be my um, my sister with a, her her daughter. It could be anyone, you know. I feel like Miriam is so feels so real, like such a. I remember when I put on my outfit and I was like, "Whoa, that outfit!" <laughs> and then I'm like, "This is this is all the moms out there that are that are a little bit more." 
conservative than than I am and a little bit they don't have as much of the exposure that I do that are going to learn from this, you know, that are really going to feel like, wow, I see myself in Miriam and and um I'm a bit inspired because look how she's fighting for her child and look at the mistakes she's made and and look at what she's going through and and all her her inner battle and the failures as a mother and and the wins as a mom and and just the whole journey. So, you know, I I think it's a very special episode and I can't wait to see it on Monday. <laughs> mm. Well, uh, I, I got to say, um, I, I have to imagine that going to the universe a lot might be a little bit different than I, I think that you guys film on in the woods in August in Georgia on location. Oh, I don't know. For, Maybe they do. For, Maybe they do. Oh, no. I'm talking about for, for your, your stint on Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure where they, where do they film? So, Fear the Walking Dead actually filmed in um, Austin, Texas. Oh, okay. All right. But I mean, it just, everything's so grimy and hot. And oh, it's just God. like. Or cold. Yeah. So cold I mean, sometimes. One time we oh, were, yeah. it was like 20 degrees and we were, it was supposed to be hot and we were all mm. freezing. We could not, we couldn't, everyone was like, oh, can you guys just your faces relax a little bit? We're like we we just can't because we're shivering, so we're all like, mm. you know, trying to <laughs> ourselves. Um, yeah, it's a very different experience, but you know, ultimately, it it's about the love and what moves actors for the most part. I mean, I can't speak for all of us, but it's it's the heart. You know, when you feel something deep in your heart, that's what makes you say, "Oh, I want to be a part of that." Um, so, and I felt like that's how I felt when I read this. Hmm. I, I would like to maybe, because um, that is such a cultural touchstone now, like Quantum Leap, uh, The Walking Dead, The Walking Dead franchise, yeah. yet another, uh, just a genre juggernaut, you know, but uh, it's, it's such a different show in the sense that so much gore. So much fun. Can you talk a little bit about how, because from, from what I understand, you, you had kind of a, a gory demise. Yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you guys um, like prep for scenes like that? And I know that they have so much uh, extras dressed as zombies and things. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. You don't say the Z word on that show, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'd like to, if, if you, if you have any tales from, from that set, because it just seems to be such an interesting kind of shoot. It's such a unique kind of show. Yeah. You know, if you're the walking dead, it was a, it was my first recurring role ever. And I really have Mikey to thank for that. Who's uh, one of the, like he directs a lot of the episodes and one of the executive producers. And he gave me my first shot at, uh, you know, a recurring role on a show and I'm forever grateful. And it was probably one of the best experiences of my life to date because I learned so much because it was my first time on a set like that. And, and they work a lot more. It's they almost work like a film more than they do a show um, because it's very cinematic. And so it's really a dance. Everything's always a dance on any on any set that you're on. But sometimes um, it's a little bit more uh, formal, whereas with with Fear the Walking Dead, there was a lot of um, exploration, you know, and they they give you the opportunity and, and freedom to try a lot of things out. 
and it was it was a survivalist show you know so the it was all about life and death ultimately so you know you have to find a way to survive and I don't know if you guys saw the episode where I I have to kill myself in order for my child to be able to survive but that was probably the most technical of all the episodes and it was um what was hard was landing the the fake knife in a way that it looks like I'm actually stabbing myself and I had to hit a specific spot oh no it, well it was like it was a fake knife but we had to actually hit a spot to rip it and I had two takes because we were losing light and so I had to hit it in a specific spot rip my my stomach so my guts could come out and if I didn't hit the right spot the guts wouldn't come out and it wouldn't stain all my clothes and you know and it, it was just very that was the, the most technical part of it all and the, the physical demand that it had whereas I had to like I was kind of uh trying to walk but I was stumbling because my my leg had gotten all jammed up and then dragging my from leg like, from the tire and, yeah it was yeah. exhausting god I was I came home that night and I slept like a baby I mean I was so tired one time we had a really long day I think it was like almost it must have been like more than 16 hours we were all like we all were zombies we were looking at each other like <laughs> oh my god what a day but you know it was such a it was such a different set and and what takes a lot of time are the special effects because all the like scars or anything that requires you to become a zombie it takes hours of makeup so that's mm. also you have to sit and wait and, and let the people do their jobs so it's every every show has a, a different um not energy necessarily to it but different challenges and so you you adjust accordingly you know uh but that was an incredible experience for me it was also my first real show so you can imagine i was like wow <laughs> everywhere i looked I, I couldn't believe i was in zombie world <laughs> and there were zombies <laughs> sitting all over like you look and you're on break and there's a zombie over here behind me mm-hmm. taking a break over there having a bottle of water <laughs> you know so that's cool <laughs> too so are you saying the the part where you eviscerated yourself is that was that a practical effect there was actually did they or was no, it, we you had it, hit it the right way for the CGI Yeah we practiced all that so it would hit no. in the right place But they then then they put the the guts in afterwards mm. or did they have you like set up with like a packet of guts that are going to spill out They had like, it with how, a how packet of work? guts that were going to spill out yeah <laughs> How freaky was that? (laughs) Very cool. Yeah, but it was like, that's what I mean. It was technical because I had to hit the right spot. So then it would rip and it would all come out. Oh, that's crazy. I always thought that they, you know, we'll do that in post. No. You know, I didn't know that, yeah, like a lot of practical effects, especially because, you know, the the, um, the zombies on the show are often missing parts of their faces. And, you know, it's a very realistic. They all look like these, just these, these weathered husks. Yeah. Eventually so, yeah. my guts did get dehydrated and those were put on, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. when I'm, I'm going through the sand, it looks like sand dunes. And I'm just like trying to uh, get the dogs dragging me to uh rufus is dragging me uh, to morgan <laughs> when we got to that part then yeah that those were the like the old guts so all dried up and everything that but that wasn't even post that was all real it was all uh wow effects on oh, wow. set yeah 
Well, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Yeah, it's that that's now the um, exception and not the norm, but it's so old school. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was a little surprised. You know, yeah, makes so. it better. It's way better. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Right. All that good old fashioned blood and guts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. And then. And then, and then you're uh, Gia's mom, and uh, you you seem younger than than Miriam. Uh, was was that any uh, problem when getting the role of actually like playing a character? I think older than yourself because you look younger than a person that would have a teenage daughter like that. Yeah, you know, I um, I I just felt like I dressed a little bit uh older. Like I felt like I had to look a little bit older, so I just went through my wardrobe and put my hair up in a clip and. Um, didn't put any makeup on and just kind of wore my fatigue on. <laughs> like I had my fatigue definitely present. I thought, oh, this woman is exhausted. Um, and just the whole situation, like I can only imagine what fighting for a child, like how hard it has to be when the world feels like it's against you, you know? Um, and how it, it must be hard on your soul. So hopefully for moms now, it's, it's not as challenging that's my hope um we can only hope that people become more conscious and it's easier you know during the shoot did you uh and josie lynn form like a maternal and uh, like a daughter relationship at all yeah i felt like we had a definitely like a friendship and i felt like i you know immediately you see someone i don't know how to explain it but you're whenever you get a character you you start to kind of see through that character's eyes. So it was really cute because she was having so much fun with her friends uh, playing basketball and um, trying things out. And, and she she was practicing so hard. And I kept looking at her like, gosh, so cute how she's so committed, you know, and I could see pieces of me in her, even though she's not my daughter in, in real life. But I could see, you know, we see reflections of ourselves in people, it, it, anyone. And I could really see that her commitment a lot. I remember being up in the bleachers and thinking, I see her drive, you know, and her, she's committed to becoming the best she can be. And and I felt like that resonated so much with me and how I am. And that was one of those moments of reflection where I'm like, look at her. She's, she's busting her little butt. She's so cute, you know? <laughs> uh, and I had that moment. I'm like, wow, this is what it's going to be like, you know, to see my kid trying and trying and trying because she was shooting those hoops she wouldn't stop (laughs) she wanted to get it right (laughs) so that was one of my favorite moments um and yeah you know we we were talking and then I did feel like a mom because she'd come over she'd say something to me and then she'd be like okay cool I'll talk to you in a little and then she'd go off with the friends and I'm like oh okay (laughs) I'm like I guess this is what it's like for real (laughs) you know it's like they Mm -hmm. they care about Mm -hmm. you but they want to go hang out with their friends (laughs) Yeah, it's it's what happens. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll be here. You let me know. (laughs) All right, cutie. And then she'd leave. (laughs) (laughs) So that was cute. So. So you had a good experience, it sounds like overall. Oh, yeah, I had a great time. I mean, you know, obviously, I'd love to be back with them. But there's that's it. It's it's that one moment Mm -hmm. and fragment in time. Mm -hmm. So uh, but yeah, they were great. Everyone was awesome. Uh, it must be just a great feeling to be what I believe will become an iconic episode of network television. You know, it, it definitely breaks barriers and it's going to be a milestone. So uh, did did you have any uh, worry going into it? Like um, that it was going to be maybe scrutinized more than other episodes of TVs 
TV or appreciated more than other episodes of TV? About scrutinized? No, I didn't care. I was like, this is about, yeah, this is about uh, a human life and I don't, I have Mm -hmm. no worries. And, uh, you know, I'm, I have a lot of faith and I just always feel like I, you know, I don't think God would ever want anyone to be treated, uh, as less than a person. And so I, I don't know, for me, it wasn't even, I didn't think about it twice. I just said, this is about love and love is bigger than anything. And so let's do it. Awesome. Yeah. And, and, and it really comes through in the episode, especially the, the note that it ends on is not just love, but just this overwhelming joy. And um, I think that all the elements came together and you were a huge part of that. So thank, thank you. you for contributing to the success, because like I said, this one really shared the DNA and had a lot of the feel of the classic series. And, um, you know, quantum longtime quantum leap fans, uh, it's, it's almost like coming home. Oh, wow. Because it's, it, yeah, it, it, it's so evocative of the show that we all love. I mean, everybody listening to this podcast is mostly, you know, diehard fans from 30 years ago. So to be back on this journey and to have a whole different cast doing it, it's it's nice to know that um, we can still get that old feeling. Oh, that's you know? wonderful. And, uh, Thank yeah. you. So, so um, it was kind of a circuitous route to you uh, to, to, to be acting, though. I was looking a little bit at your bio, and uh, you started out as VJ? <laughs> yeah. So I actually... <laughs> I started off uh, in musical theater. That was kind of my passion at the beginning. And so I got a little bit into acting after that. And then right after high school, I there was an open audition for MTV. They were going to start a bilingual network. And I went and I just said, hey, I feel like I would host all the shows at my school. I was always the MC at my school. So I said, why not? Let's give it a go. Um, so I went in, I did my thing. And the guy's like, you need an agent and I have a friend. And I was like, okay, sure. Let's meet your friend. And I met his friend. It turned out to be an agent in William Morris, which is a really big agency. And then that they kind of started fine tuning me and they were like, okay, so you need to do this. You need to do that. I I got work. I started working for billboard. I, um, I started doing a lot of hosting and, uh, deep down, I always wanted to act. I felt like it was what I really should do. Um, so I was like, I don't know how to leave hosting and and focus more on acting, but I have to transition somehow. And then I started booking a lot of uh, voiceover stuff and, uh, I was like, okay, I'm getting a a good, you know, my career is really happening in the voiceover world. And so I came out to LA, I met a bunch of people from a few ad agencies that my agent knew. And I was like, I think LA is a place for me. I got to go. And I convinced my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, he wanted to go to New York, but we ended up <laughs> going to L.A. And um, and I was like, you got to give me give me some time. I, I think I can do it. And then sure enough, uh, you know, opportunities started happening, doors started opening and and I was able to uh, break through into the acting world. And and yeah, and it's just been it's just been go, go, go ever since. Thank God. So it's been awesome. <laughs> Are you still pursuing voice acting work? I saw that um, you had some recent work with the Star Wars franchise as well. Yeah, I still do voiceover work. I also started doing motion capture work. I was just part of a a really uh, great game called Dead Space, um, which was a remake of a classic. uh, And that was all motion capture. So I got to wear 
you know, the, the outfit. Oh, and cool. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, and I loved it because that's a lot of imagination. So and that's kind of one of my favorite things about acting, imaginary circumstances. So um, that's been that's been really rewarding. And I hope to do a lot more of that and continue my uh, my VO career because I do love it. I mean, the, acting in a booth or acting with, you know, the mocap gear, it's all so different. Uh, it's all different worlds, but it's all the same thing. It's acting. So, and it's just, and it's not even acting. It's just being, being under these imaginary circumstances as truthfully as you can be, you know, ultimately. I find that fascinating because I don't know much about video games. Uh, I've never been a video game guy, but so from what I'm, I'm inferring from what you're saying is that you put on the mocap gear and you, you act the character. So is it, it's your voice and you basically do they, do they use that to animate the characters so that yeah. it's, it's all you. It, it's really. all you. So even if the character looks nothing like you, they're still going to use all your facial expressions and everything so before you even do the motion capture work, they have you go into um, a seat in a, like this circular uh, motion capture, I guess, a stall. And then you go in there and or booth and you go in there and there's 120 tiny cameras with lights. And so you sit there for about three hours and you have to make different expressions and they take pictures of everything hundreds of pictures at the same time so they can capture every angle of your face and then they can capture like just me opening my eyes like that and then relaxing and then and then relaxing so then when they animate the character they can it can have all your actual expressions it's fascinating um oh that's yeah cool it's a long process but it's worth it when you see it play out it's just I'm playing a video game later. I see, oh, th- that female orc over there. That looks like Bridget. <laughs> it's like I don't know how, but <laughs> it's it's uncanny. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, but, right. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's yeah. I, I just I I have to think that it's uh, probably like a really neat time because I have to think that acting in a booth for VO work is completely different from doing the mocap yeah. stuff, which is completely different from doing the series stuff. So it's like how do you juggle it all? It's, it's yeah. kind of nuts. You know, I see it all as a gift and I'm always like, wow, I can't believe this is my life. I can't believe this is what I get to do. You know, this is incredible and I'm so grateful and I just see it all as gifts that I, I get. And I'm like, wow, thank you. <laughs> thank you. God, thank you. And I just go in there and I give it my best. It is different. Um, you know, being on set, they give you, you, you get a lot, you get, uh, you get actual people at the cafe or, you know, the kids at the basketball game on, on a motion capture project, I would have seen them. And then maybe we would have had the ball, but, but there would be no court. There would be, there wouldn't be anything really except the main characters right there. So it would have probably been, if it would have been a motion capture project, it would have been Gia, the uh, maybe three, four girls, whoever had dialogue playing, and then uh, Ray, because he's the coach. And then and then probably for my footage, it would have just been me with the camera. You know, it, it, it would have been shot so different. And the, the basketball would have probably had sensors on it. So when they throw it, they actually can can get the cam- the basketball going on the floor. It would have been just, it's all so different. You know, you just start learning how to navigate uh, each ocean. Mm. 
Did you come up with a backstory for Miriam? Um, like, what did she do for a living? Because I don't know if they mentioned that. They, they were just yeah. like, you got to get back to your. I'm a nurse. I'm a nurse, nurse. In, in my okay. in, in my role. Yeah. And I had thought of that, too. I, th I thought for sure I had a, that kind of job. Either I was an assistant and I helped or I was a nurse or something along those lines is what I thought. I just knew I was exhausted and that I didn't have like <laughs> my husband was letting me down left and right. And I was just like, what are you doing right now? You know, you're, you're making things so challenging for us. <laughs> and this isn't what you're supposed to be doing. And Ray's so great. You know, Ray, like he has these little like he has these, these like mischievous eyes, but they're also so innocent. <laughs> and he knows how to play him up. You know, <laughs> so I'm always like. This is good. You're making things hard for us, okay? <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, I knew that Miriam had, she was definitely, you know, I took pieces of my mom as well, uh, her commitment to to my sister and I, and and she's she's a wonderful mother. So I just tried to embody a lot of her in my work. Awesome. Well, I mean, it comes across. You're a believable mom in the episode. Thank so. you. Whatever you did, it worked. <laughs> you, <know? Yes. laughs> you could really feel the the love that Miriam had for Gia. Thank absolutely. you. And the, and the, and the need to protect her. Yeah. Thank you. I really really, really well done. Thanks. Excellent episode, and you did an excellent job. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, speaking of which, uh, are any aspects of the episode um, that you want to talk about that we haven't covered yet? Any important things uh, that uh, you think need to be discussed or just any messages for the Leapers who are listening? I think um, I would just like to say that, you know, um, love, uh, I, I think I said the quote earlier, I really do believe that love is bigger than anything in its way. And uh, that quote's very personal to me because when I went through a challenging time uh, it, with um, my husband, when he was um, going through something difficult, I really learned that. And, um, and so it's a big thing for me that, that love can, can move mountains. Love can, can give you a drive on like anything you've ever seen or experienced in your your entire life and and it'll teach you great lessons you know but ultimately ultimately love is what moves us and what what gives us purpose so um whenever in doubt just what would what would you do if you were in love you know in the state of love I think that's a wonderful sentiment to to end on. Thank you so much, Bridget, thank for you. joining us on the Quantum Leap podcast. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I send you big hugs. Hello and welcome back to the Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm Albie here with Matt and Christopher. And today we are so lucky to have on our show the woman who played Shruti on the episode of Quantum Leap, Let Them Play, Anita Calathera. Hi, Anita. How you doing? Hi. <laughs> We've just watched this episode and we all absolutely love it. So we're very excited to talk to you today. And we do want to talk hey. about the episode. But first, I want to ask you about like how you got into the business and uh, how you got the acting bug and your journey that brought you to Quantum Leap. Um, oh, fun question. Uh, so 
uh, definitely my parents wanted me to be like a doctor or a lawyer. So that it's kind of the typical standard <laughs> Indian thing. But um, I very <laughs> gracefully disappointed them. <laughs> and I bought a one-way ticket to LA. I, I really had wanted to be an actor since I was like in elementary school, but I just didn't know how to proceed and figure it out. And so um, like the minute I got out of school, I basically was just like, okay, this is my chance. And um, I ended up just booking a one-way ticket to LA and was like, I'll just figure it out when I get there. And I did a lot of research. I was really thorough and I got here and I kind of just like had a game plan and got very uh, great timing because I landed an agent pretty quickly. And then like, it's really started from there and and it's been going ever since. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a really cool journey. We, we just watched your short film, Unfair and Lovely. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, thank you. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so I wrote and directed that short film and it's uh, a lot about what I experienced growing up. It's, it's about colorism in India, which also translates to... America as well, because yeah, being a first generation kid, my parents came over with the same, you know, ideas that they, they had been like that they had known their whole lives, which is, you know, white skin, fair skin is better. And, and, you know, in India, it's like really prevalent, especially when they were younger to have like, light lightning products to have bleaching products. Um, and so when I was a kid, you know, my parents, they probably didn't realize how bad it was at that time because at that time they really just thought this was like, this was culturally normal. Um, so they would have me, you know, using skin lightening products and bleaching products on my skin just because they were like, Oh no, my daughter, she's so dark. What happened? Cause I would go out and play in the sun and stuff like that. So this um, short is about a girl who's on her wedding day. Her mother's giving her a lot of pressure about, um, uh, being darker and not looking good in her pictures and things like that. And so she kind of goes through, it's really, there's, it's really nonverbal. There's not a lot of dialogue in this film, but I think it just conveys the message really clearly, like just going through that and the feelings of like not feeling good enough because of your skin color. And it's, it's interesting because I feel like it's still like it's taken me a really long time to get over this kind of feeling and hatred against myself and my skin color. Um, and it's only been in recent years that I really like learned to embrace it because I didn't realize how deep seated that feeling was from when I was a, like a baby. <laughs> like I just, you know, I remember when growing up, my parents would always say, you were, you were born so fair and now you're so dark. How did this happen? And, you know, I just, it was always like a joke and, 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 in my aunts and uncles would always say it to me like, Oh, you got so dark and stuff like that. But I, you know, I didn't realize how like actually that affected me until I was older and realized like, Oh wow, this, this isn't like the right way to look at yourself. Like you should learn to love yourself as you are. And there shouldn't be any, um, you know, differences between skin color, but it's just, it's just mm -hmm. interesting that that's how it is in India. It's changing, I think, but Oh, good. Still going. And a lot of people reached out to me after that short. So that was really cool to realize that, like, it wasn't just me. There was a lot of people dealing with this stuff. Uh, when I watched it, I was very ignorant of that topic. And I, I had no idea that was a thing. And um, one of the things that touched yeah. me about uh, the part in the short film was uh, when the little girl uh, goes to pick out a doll and you're looking for a doll that looks like mm -hmm. yourself. And, um, that was yeah. uh, you know, heartbreaking and just seeing that, uh, but on, 
on a good thing is I saw on your Instagram that yet they actually are making South Asian uh, American girl dolls now. That, yes. So oh, weird. Other, what timing? I didn't even really put that connection together. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, this year, American Girl um, came out with their first girl of the year, and it's a South Asian girl, and her name is Kavi Sharma. And I happen to be the voice of Kavi Sharma, which is cool and coincidental, which is why you saw it on my feed. Um, there's an animated series coming out that I'm going to be voicing and, and doing all the the. I'm the voice of Cubby and it's really fun. And, and, and I'm so excited for little girls to get, I've already gotten messages in the last few weeks of like friends with like nieces and baby cousins that are playing with the Covey doll. And I just love that they're sending these pictures to me. It just makes me feel so good that like these girls have something to look at and look up to. And yeah, I think people are going to really love her story when they learn more about it. That's amazing. Very, very groundbreaking. Yeah. And and then you're you're in this other thing that's very groundbreaking, which is this episode of Quantum Leap. That is, uh, I think, a, very much a first for network television to embrace a story like this told from the perspective of the people that it affects. Can you tell me a little bit about how you yeah. uh, found out about this role and got the role and joined the cast of this episode of Quantum Leap? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, just auditioned and was lucky to book this off tape. And it was cool because I was actually traveling at the time. I was in New York and I remember getting it and being like, oh, my, what am I going to, how am I going to tape this? Like, luckily, uh, my younger cousin, he uh, is an actor and he had a setup. So I ran over to his house or his apartment in the city and we taped it. And it was just such a fun audition. I just remember having so much fun with this audition in general. Um and also, I think I lived like a little dream of like always wanting to be good at basketball, but not actually. So I like really took that uh, to heart and kind of took my environment in when I did that. So I feel like it was just a really fun audition overall. And, you know, I didn't know how lucky I was going to be to be part of such a cool episode at the time. You know, I didn't know enough about it. So like, but I, I, I from the scenes I could gather like, oh, this is going to be a cool thing. And um, yeah. and then. Then I, I think we started filming like a week after booking. Like it was pretty quick. It was a quick turnaround time. And um, yeah, it just pretty fast, I guess. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about those those first moments on set or, or when you were meeting the rest of the cast and coming together and uh, experiencing the script for the first time? Yeah, I, I think like when we were all in this, it's like we all mutually understood this was going to be a very special episode and the feeling on set was like that. I, I mean, when I met the other girls, it was like we were friends for a long time already. Like as soon as we met, it was such a fast friendship. I mean, uh, there were so many moments on set where they were like, girls, calm down. You need to focus. We're about to go for a day because we would just be like having so much fun <laughs> that we forgot that we were working a lot of the time, <laughs> the camaraderie between us. I mean, we all still hang out and we all are on a group text and we all talk all the time. And I think that that was really awesome. We really felt like part of a team. And we also had the amazing support of all these very, really great basketball players, uh, female basketball players who are so good at their jobs. And they all like were supporting us and helping us learn and get better. You know, I perfected my 
my shot by the end of this, like by the mm-hmm. end of this taping. And it was crazy. Like we had rehearsals for basketball. I learned so much from this set and just being there. And yeah, it was a great feeling. <laughs> I have to think that that's a um, technically difficult kind of shoot because you have to get specific shots. I mean, was the blocking and stuff like that crazy? You're learning just how to play basketball, but you also mm-hmm. have to hit your mark and take a shot and just stop the ball here. And I mean, that that seems to me like it's organized chaus. <laughs> Make sure the yeah, basketball so hits it. It was not really interesting. I actually, so I met a lot of the girls. I met, I, lot of, I met a lot of the girls actually at our first basketball rehearsal. So we ended up having like actual basketball rehearsals. And I remember feeling super intimidated because I went in and I see all these very athletic women that are like making all these shots and looking like super professional and I was like oh god I hope I'm not the only one that doesn't really know how to play basketball and um thankfully none of the girls did and um we all just were in it together but it was so crazy we actually learned that we had an amazing basketball coach she she ran and we basically learned plays and that were that were going to set us up to like be to like help us do the best of our abilities so like what our strong points were and so we basically the the coach made plays. We learned like eight play six or eight plays or something like that. So like like a regular team would, we literally had to memorize these plays and do them. And so we would run drills and run rehearsals on that and like figure out our spots and like locations. And yes, you had to know your mark. But it's interesting because I think that's what you would actually do in a game is you would know exactly where you were going because you run these plays as a team and you know these plays like the back of your hand. So so I felt like I was really in the game. Like we it felt like I was a real like basketball player because I knew all the plays like the back of my hand. I like ran the drills like when we were running um you know we don't always make the shot because you never know if that's gonna work. But um yeah it was it was kind of organized chaos but it was really like well planned and that was on the amazing talent of our basketball coach and the players because they were all so good and like were really helpful in helping us learn all the plays. So, yeah. So we have been talking to um, Josie Lynn and we've been talking to Shakina um, regarding Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the messaging uh, of the trans experience in this episode. And Mm -hmm. um, we still really haven't um, spoken to anyone that played a contemporary of uh, Mia in the episode. So when you were preparing for those scenes and trying to contextualize the, the the dialogue that you were given, did you have conversations with Shakina and Josie Lynn about their experiences and just to help you ground your performance? How did all of that dynamic come together? Um, yeah, you know, I didn't actually per se, I think Shakina was actually really good at, keeping us informed and giving us like all the information we needed to know what was happening in each scenario and each scene. And so Shakina was like our biggest and greatest resource because she really like, she really helped us like really understand what was happening and what was at stake in each scene as we were going to do it. And she also just is so well-spoken and, and just like really understands how to, you know, get performances out of people. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I think um, like that was kind of more how it was. I didn't really like go, I didn't want to like disturb Josie Lynn's peace and like 
you know, ask her what she's going through in a specific scenario, but it was like, I could just feel her energy and it worked off of that. Like we were just, um, we were very in it. Like we just had the circumstances like, and the thing is like, she also shared with me a few times of like how some of the moments that she went through were so real for her in her life. And, um, there was a lot of similarities between Gia and herself. And so like seeing that and seeing that on her face and she was so happy to, and her and she kind of both said this to me on set that it feels like this episode was like a chance for them to like rewrite their own histories. Um, they felt that when they were younger, like if they could have like the kind of confidence that Gia would ha- had had, it would have, you know, been a better experience for them. And like, I think that made it so powerful for me just seeing like them going through this journey at, like as someone who's like an ally and supports like this this like whole message I felt like really st- strongly affected by them and like their emotions so it wasn't even as much of a discussion as like like it just was it it just felt so real I don't know how to describe it I guess mm-hmm. yeah just seemed the energy in the air and Jos- Josie Lynn uh, said that when you guys got together, it was like you had been friends for years, kind of like the script oh, yeah. called for. It's like just the energy was crazy. Was, you yeah. guys all immediately clicked. Yeah. We clicked so well and it was crazy. Like people have said to me, or like I like was just hanging out with Josie Lynn on Friday and um, she was like, somebody came up to us and they like could not believe that we had not known each other for more than like three months. <laughs> they were like, well, you seem like you've been friends for years. I was like, yeah, well, um, just got lucky, I guess that we just all like connected so quickly and so easily. Hopefully you all made friends for life. Um, was, was it uh, different? How did you approach it? Was there any difference uh, being an ally and a best friend uh, as a character or did you just approach it as being the best friend? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, it was also actually, it was actually provided for me in um, the backstory that Shakina gave me that I'm like a hundred percent on board and an ally, like right from the beginning. Um, uh, so, you know, I kind of just, definitely felt that from the beginning. Um, but also too, just as someone who feels that way in, in my own life, I, I think that was just so easy <laughs> to connect to. And I was just already feeling like really strongly. I, I was just so happy to be in something where I could like support a really positive message and be a part of something that's so meaningful to so many people. So yeah, I already felt that way from the beginning. <laughs> It wasn't that wasn't hard to uh, connect to. That's so cool. Um, I I also understand that you guys are going to have a special viewing of the episode at the high school yeah. where you actually shot the episode. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, actually, just on that out. Um, so yeah, we're we're apparently we're going to the high school that we're shooting at, um, which was cool because you know we were shooting the show where while we were while they were in session in classes which I guess I've never had that happen before I've been to sets in high schools but I haven't had them like operating like fully functional classes so it was really interesting we'd be like in our uniforms like playing games and we'd walk out and we'd, people people would have like you know their bell would ring and they'd be running to classes and we'd be passing mm-hmm. by tons of like high schoolers and stuff and it was really fun 
Um, but yeah, so we're going back to that school and we're doing a screening there and apparently having a talk back with um, the students there. So I think that's going to be really cool because it's not, you don't get to do that that often where you get to like get people excited about something in person and like hopefully spread a message to these high school kids of like, you know, community that they may want too. So I think it's going to be a really cool experience. I, I, I don't know too much about it yet, but I, I'm excited. So I, I wanted to know, I have a silly question about, um, I think we've learned a lot about the behind the scenes filming of this episode. Uh, but one thing we didn't really touch on was the exterior shots for the car wash scene. So could you tell us about the, the day you had washing a PT cruiser? Oh yeah. Um, that was very messy and very memorable. Um, <laughs> that it was a lot of fun because, um, we, I remember we got the direction from Shakina to just really go in on this car wash scene and like, you know, get soap everywhere and like throw like water on everyone. And we were like full on, it felt like what a cafeteria food fight scene would be, but like we were full on like drenching each other at one point. So, and it was kind of cold that day too. So mm. I remember feeling like very wet and cold. And then um, also with the, the egg fight was, um, it was very smelly. <laughs> that part was really hilarious. We tried to do it. I know we tried to do it like a limited number of times so that we all didn't have to like reek of egg yolk. But like, um, that was very fun. <laughs> but also very like smelly and was glad to go shower after that. <laughs> but yeah, it was a really fun scene. <laughs> Was that shot out uh, out in the universal lot or was that somewhere on location? Yeah. 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 That was the, um, I think that was the only scene that we shot um, that I was in because I know uh, Jesse Lynn shot a lot that was in the universal back lot, but um, that was the only scene that I remember that we shot on location or on the back lot. And that was really fun. It's really cool. I just want to say, um, Personally, how much I admire both you and Josie Lynn. Um, you're telling us that you got a one-way bus ticket and you were determined to make it work. She told us that she just m went to LA with three months rent. And now mm -hmm. here you both are on a network TV show. I mean, it, it shows the, I guess, the power of um, uh, just the dedication and really being committed to mm -hmm. doing something. Really, congratulations. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it was definitely like a shot in the dark, but I was like, I wanted it so bad that I was like, I'm going to make it work. And yeah, I've been pretty lucky to have like a really fun job. And like, it is my job, which is cool. <laughs> you saw it through. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> the dream. <laughs> the dream. Living the dream. That's right. Living the dream. Talking to the Quarterly Podcast. You finally <laughs> arrived. Anita, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> exactly totally that was what i meant by that totally it's all downhill from here sorry <laughs> you were telling us about the the next project you have lined up is the american doll series um any uh, yeah. other things that uh, leapers can look forward to um well i am right now recording a video game but i can't quite talk about what that is right now so i don't i have no idea when that's coming out to be honest and i will probably share it when i can um but yes i am working on a video game right now um and yeah that's that's what i'm doing at the moment <laughs> okay. but yeah i think that's the animated series is the next working. thing that you can like see out in 
in the world pretty soon. I, I did do um, a really cool short um, with Paul Feig's company that I think is supposed to drop some point this year and an indie film that's supposed to come out at some point later this year too. But again, I never know until somebody tells me, hey, it's out. Um, this mm -hmm. is also a past thing that I guess I can just say, but it's, I did this movie, India Sweets and Spices, and it's actually out on Hulu mm -hmm. right now. It's, it came out like a little last year, but it's great and everyone should watch it. <laughs> That's my, my pitch. <laughs> there you go. Plug, plug, plug. Yeah. Right? It's my plug. Everybody go watch India Sweets and Spices. It's cute. <laughs> it, look, it looks good from the preview. What network is the American Doll show going to be on? American Girl Doll. Honestly, not sure. I think it's actually going to be out on YouTube. I think it's oh, okay. going to be out on YouTube. I'm pretty certain. So, I mean, this has been such a great talk. I mean, we, we've been talking to a lot of cast people over the weekend uh, involved with this episode. And um, we keep learning new things. Are there any um, aspects of the production that we haven't touched upon that... Um, you'd like to tell us about um before we uh wrap up oh um also just working with ray and caitlin was such a fun time i don't know if anyone talked about that part but um ray is an insane basketball player i'm just gonna hype him up here because i didn't catch it on video because every time i try to record it i missed it and we had to go like do a scene, but this man made every shot. Like as a basketball coach, he really owned it. He must play on a league or something. I think he did mention he plays on a league, but that man is really good at basketball. Just random people should probably know. Ray is, is great at basketball. I hyped you up. There you go, Ray. And then, um, and Caitlin is also <laughs> pretty good at basketball too. Like why they both shocked me. They were like really good. So that was a really random fun fact. And also just working with them is really fun because they're so cool. And th the whole crew is just so warm and friendly. Like uh, everyone from like uh, wardrobe to makeup to, you know, sound, panda on sound. Like everybody is just so cool on the show and definitely feels like a family. And I, I was talking to Ray about it and they have a brand new guest cast pretty much every episode. And they don't really get to interact with the other castmates because of their you know scenes and what they do so it's interesting like ray and caitlin are kind of just like on their own always um with all the guest cast and they make like a whole new tv family literally every week which i thought was really cool and, and they both had said that's like something that they really love about this show and i was like yeah great <laughs> i love it too that's terrific. Yeah, we hear nothing but good things about them. And uh, we usually ask, I, I think we've learned not to ask anymore whether or not you got to interact with any of the other ensemble cast because it seems like the shooting yeah. schedules are so different for both halves of the cast. Now you're telling me Ray, Ray barely gets to interact with them. So Ray's the, the, he said that. And I, we were, cause you know, we'd obviously be hanging out and talking and stuff. And, and yeah, he said that he barely sees the other cast, which I thought was crazy. Like you're doing a whole show together, but you really never see. It's really just like him and Caitlin. They're like the dynamic duo. And yeah. I was like, that's pretty wild. But yeah, he said it's really fun for him to meet like a whole new cast and crew. And he says it's always like a really good time. So that's pretty fun. 
Thank you, Anita, for your insight um, and for your participation and the role you've played in making this episode of Quantum Leap. As um, someone who considers himself a Quantum Leap fan and somewhat of a Quantum Leap aficionado, I can tell you with um, absolute confidence that this is going to be one of the all-timers for Quantum Leap, talking about old series and new series. It is mm -hmm. just really a quintessential episode of Quantum Leap. And uh, we have you in part to thank for that. Thank you very much for hey, your contribution. Thank you. Ooh, goosebumps. And, wow. And thank you so much for the time you spent with us here today on the Quantum Leap podcast. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, bye. <laughs> Hey, this is Matt, Chris and Albie at the Quantum Leap podcast, and we're really excited today because we have with us a special guest, Jocelyn Aguilera, uh, who plays Gia in the latest episode, Let Them Play. Uh, Jocelyn, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Uh, not as excited as us. We are, we, we've just seen the episode. Um, we loved it. Uh, we've been talking about it all weekend, so uh, we're really happy to have you on us to talk about that. Um, could could I just start by asking just sort of generally if you could tell us a bit about yourself and your background and uh, what what you've been doing the last few years? Yeah, so I I was born in Mexico, um, in Nuevo Michoacan, Mexico, and I grew up in Northern California. Um, so I am like a Mexican immigrant um, who grew up in Cali. I moved around a lot in California, um, and I had. A single mom who raised me and my sister and I mean my childhood was very it was very nice I mean it, it we we seemed to struggle a little bit being like first generation coming to America my mom didn't really speak the language me and my sister we luckily like started school in in California um I actually had to like repeat kindergarten because I didn't know how to speak English <laughs> um, so that's something I, I always think about it's so silly um, but I mean, we grew up in, in like a in Northern Cal Cali in like Lincoln, California. We we traveled a lot and to like Patterson, California. So a lot of like small town, little country town places, which I I now love and, and think fondly of those memories. Uh, but I always dreamt of moving to like a bigger city, moving to LA, to New York, and dreams of becoming an actress and a model and, you know, doing all of these amazing things. And finally, when I got the courage to, you know, to just do it. And my mom was like my biggest supporter. She was the one that actually gave me the courage to move to LA. It was during the pandemic. So I actually moved to LA in August of 2020. And it was just a dream come true. And I had three months rent. I remember I had three months rent and I didn't know where I was going. I never really traveled or visited LA. So I had no idea where I was going to end up. I had no idea what was going to happen, if I was going to make it, if I was going to come back. And luckily I met amazing roommates that, you know, took me in. I just started working. I worked in retail and, you know, three months in, I ended up getting a, getting into a modeling competition and with Slay Model Management. And that's where I got my start. 
and things just kind of went from there. And now I'm here talking about, you know, Quantum Leap and being a part of this amazing show. And I also went to Paris recently and I did a show in Paris called Love Trip Paris, which just, just, which was a dream come true. And now I'm just like thinking about that little kid, you know, growing up thinking like, I want to do all of these things. And I'm thinking, whoa, like kiddo, if you only knew everything <laughs> you're going to go through. Did you ever think, I mean, when you you started on this journey in uh, in 2020, that things would move that fast? And, you know, to, to be to be sat here now, basically having had the lead role in um, it, the, the focus of an episode, that's such a quick journey. It, it is. It really is. I, I honestly didn't expect it to happen this quickly. Um, and, and to achieve everything I've achieved so far, I was so surprised and I'm so grateful. And I always say every time I go to an audition or, or take, you know, get the opportunity to be a part of a project, it's always it always feels like the first time. It always feels like this is the first time I'm doing this, this is the first time I'm on set. So I'm like, I go in and I'm like, the cameras, the lights, all the cast and crew. And I'm just like <laughs> giddy, even though, you know, I've been a part of all these amazing projects. I'm like, it just still feels like the first time. And it's kind of funny because... Um, I have like family back home who are now who are equally as surprised. I have my aunt who was like, oh, my God, like, I'm so surprised that just Celine just went to L.A. and she told us she was going to do this and she did it. And everyone's just like in awe and they love me and they're rooting for me. So it just feels so nice to like come back and be like, I did it, you guys, you know, like. Um, I, I did it. Like I went to LA and I worked hard and I did what I wanted to do. And here I am. And I'm just so, so grateful. I'm so excited for everything. Can you tell us a little bit about the process of how you heard about the role on quantum leap and sort of the steps that you needed to go through to, to land it? Oh my God. Actually, that's a funny story. Um, so when I, uh, came back from Paris, so I had, a, I was in Paris and I was filming a show. And when I came back from Paris, I had like a few times to kind of a few, like a few weeks or yeah, I was like, I had a few weeks to like get myself situated, you know, coming back. It was like figuring everything out. And, and then I just got this call from my agency from Slaymont Little Management and they gave me a call. They're like, Hey, we have this audition. Like, can you do it please? And I was like, like, yes. And it was funny because I was in the middle of like looking, looking for a new place to live, you know, trying to figure out like where I'm going to, you know, end up back in LA. I was kind of living with my parents for a little bit back in Northern California. So during all of this drama of like me looking for a place to live, coming back and forth, I had other auditions and, you know, other projects I was still wanting to be a part of. I had this call and I saw, I read the script and the first time I read the script, I cried. And I remember I called my mom. That was the first thing I did. I called my mom and I said, like, oh, my God, like, I just read this amazing script and I have an, an opportunity to audition for it. And just to have this script in my hands felt like a win to, for me, for my community, for the trans community, because I've never read such a beautiful, beautiful story about a trans girl who all she wants to do is just play basketball and be herself and, and this is what I, I remember thinking, like, this is what I want to see on TV. This is what, these are the stories I want to share, you know, I want to be a part of. And, and even if I'm not a part of, I want to 
watch them and root for like all the other girls and, and all the other people that get to be a part of these projects. Like I want more of this. And I was just so grateful. And I remember I, I told my mom about like the story, what it was and how it really reminded, reminded me of me back in high school. And, you know, I also transitioned in high school and I, I mean, I really am Gia. Like I really lived her life. You know, I also, um, I transitioned in high school. I wasn't allowed to play in, in the girls' sports. I wasn't allowed to be. I wasn't allowed to be in um, the girls' locker room. I remember they had me. They gave me like an assigned restroom, and you know, I wasn't like I wasn't able to do all of these things. I think like I did track and field, but it was like the co co-ed track and field, so anyone could do it. But I had to, you know, change in in a in a restroom for like, um, in a a separate restroom, I had to change in a separate restroom. And I just remember for me, I wasn't as brave as Gia to stand up for myself. I remember I was just so scared and all I wanted was to just be a normal kid. So I mostly just kind of hid and, you know, like, like I didn't really stand up for myself. I didn't say much and going back and, and doing this show, it kind of, made me feel like I got a chance to fix my wrongs and to stand up for myself and to, you know, stand up for the things I really wanted to do, which was, for me, it was play volleyball and join the cheer team. And, and I remember I auditioned for it, but they just wouldn't, you know, they, they wouldn't let me be a part of that because it was just too complicated. And I, I do remember, um, when I transitioned in high school, I was, um, I was taking PE and the moment I transitioned and they all kind of caught the teachers and everybody caught on, they took me out of PE as soon as they could. So, so they just took me out and then they're like, oh, we'll just, you know, set up, you know, figure out another way you can make your credits. Um, but I wasn't allowed to, to, I mean, finish, do a lot of like the sports and activities. And I just was kind of like, okay, like I remember I, I felt like being myself was a win. It didn't matter anything else. I got to be who I am. I got to introduce myself as Jocelyn. That was a win for me. That was all I wanted. And, you know, I was I was so grateful for that, that I didn't want to take in all of the other negativity. I'm like, oh, whatever. Like, I didn't want to do PE anyways. I didn't want to do um, the sports anyways. You know, I, I think I convinced myself to be, like, okay with it. But in reality, I mean, it wasn't okay. And I'm really grateful that we get to see Gia stand up for herself and to be like, no, like I want to play basketball. I'm good. I deserve to be on the team. I deserve to play just like all the other girls and to be a part of that and to say that, I mean, there were moments where I like on set was like cheering up and talking with Shakina and all the other producers and, and directors thinking like, like, this is my life. Like, this is the things I wish I would have said. I wish I would have done. And now I'm saying it. And it just, it was real. It felt real. To that point, I think one of the things that this show does so strongly is shine a light on the insanity of the bigotry, but also manages to do it in such an uplifting and positive way. Um, we were all crying through it, but but both for those, you know, the injustice and also the well, this is such an uplifting and positive story. Yes, yes, I definitely agree. Like it was a very like sweet, uplifting, just beautiful story. And, you know, it wasn't sad and dark and, you know, it didn't paint mm. 
you know, trans issues as a negative thing. It just painted as like, hey, you know, these are real stories. Like this girl just wants to play basketball. And, and that's what I love about this story so much, that it's a real story about a real kid, you know? The um, filming of the episode, uh, once you're on set and you're ready to go, uh, this is, is a unusual episode of Quantum Leap only because usually it focuses more on Ben and he's in like every shot. But this is a really good episode because it really puts the focus on your character, Gia, and you're in most of every scene of the show, really. And uh, what was what was the filming process like? Were you there for the whole eight days? Yeah, I was there for the whole eight days. Um, so I was there all day on set and I loved it. I mean, I I just love being on set. I love being with the crew. Um, I feel like we all became like really close and I love just coming in and having high energy and, and sitting in my makeup chair and, and talking with hand makeup and just being being excited about it. Um, I mean, I loved being on set and I got to talk to, to Ray and he is just amazing. He's so kind. He's brilliant. I mean, I, we really like when I had questions, he really let me, you know, talk with him, go through it. And we went the scene together and he gave me his insight on like, what is this? What What is the scene supposed to really mean? Like, how are we supposed to, you know, make the audience feel? And to have that opportunity to talk about the scene and, and what we're trying to to show was just amazing. And I feel like he definitely helped me out a lot. Um, same with Bridget, who was my mother um, on the show. She was so sweet. She was so kind. I felt like she was like my second mom. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is so sweet. And I also loved the conversations that I started to hear and, and had with a lot of the crew and cast, you know, about trans issues and what it, what it was like growing up. And of course, you know, I, I talked about my experience and what I went through, but it was really nice to see them kind of re- reflect and realize like, whoa, like I had no idea that Gia's going through this. And, you know, like, it, it was really sweet to actually see them really understand like what the issue was, you know, it's like, well, this kid just wants to play basketball. Like what's the problem? And, and they all read the script and they all were so supportive and so kind. And it was just nice to see people just really get it and really understand it and be like, wow, like this is a real issue. And I remember being on set and there was this one scene that we did. Um, I think I was sitting at the stairs in our home and we were, and I was talking to uh, Ben and I was telling him like, you just don't understand. And, um, and I remember that when we did the scene and when we finished, everyone else on set was just quiet. And, and it was like, you could just hear like a pin drop and everyone was like, whoa, like it almost felt like people got it. Like people were finally listening and really heard what I was saying and really understood it. And were like, wow, like this is a lot. This kid is going through so much and she's so brave and, you know, this is real. And I just remembered that moment just being really beautiful because it just everyone I felt like everyone really understood what was really going on and what and how powerful this episode was and how important this story was being the the mouthpiece of such an important message and 
being the, as Albi was saying, effectively being the focus more than anyone else in Quantum Leap so far has been on on of the episode. Did did you feel any pressure there at all? I, um, in terms of what was being expected of you, um, I'd say I want to say like yes and no. Um, a part of like no because I was just being myself and I was just trying to have fun on set and I was so grateful to be with everyone and and to you know I, I felt like I could just be myself because of how much I related to Gia and a lot of similarities that we had and I was like oh she's just a kid and like this is exactly how I was and like you know in 2012 and you know just being young and free wanting to play basketball and not caring and just wanting to hang out with my friends and and you know I felt like I could just be myself and and yes I do also felt like there is a pressure you know I think I feel like I've always kind of felt that in a lot of things that I've done I feel like I was put into this role to stand up for myself and my community as a trans immigrant woman and you know I do feel that pressure but I also feel like that comes I feel like that could be for all trans women you know in in the film in media and tv because of the lack of stories and like real stories and and progress especially you know today you know i feel like there's still so much that we still need to go through and we still need to accomplish a lot for people to just love and accept trans men and women and lgbt um people and i and I do kind of feel that pressure, but I, I, overall, I just, I want to do a good job for me. I want to do something that I'm proud of, something that makes me feel, something that makes me feel grateful to be, to be here, to be doing these things. And, and also I want to do something that, that little kids could see and, and realize like, wow, like I relate to this person. I relate to this character. You know, I didn't have that growing up and I really wished I would have been able to see a girl like me on TV doing all of these amazing things and being a part of all of these amazing projects. And I wish I really, I wish I could have had that chance to see that, but I didn't. And to think now that maybe there are some little kids out here, out there who still don't know who they are, who are tr- trying to figure out, who feel so lost and get to see me and realize like, whoa, like this, you know, like this person looks like me and I relate to them and, and they can do it and they're amazing and they're beautiful and, and they're themselves. And I want to do that. So I, I really hope I can share that. I really, really hope that there's, people that just see me and, and think like, whoa, she can do it. I can do it. And and that's what I want. I mean, I want, I want to, um, I want to like give other kids the opportunity to dream bigger. As part of that process, when you were exploring the role and, you know, wanting all of these things, um, you had Shakina there, other members of the trans community on set um, doing scenes together. Was there a collaboration as you guys were going forward about the different ideas, like you were just expressing that you wanted to um, convey in the performance and how you might get those across, even though there's a lot in the script? Was there a bigger conversation about sort of the the hopes for the role and the hopes that the episode uh, for the ideas, the episode would convey. 
I I definitely think so. I feel like you know, having Shakina on set was just amazing because I feel like I really got to just like talk to her about my experiences and her experiences and, and really, you know, showcase like this is a trans story, but it's a beautiful trans story. And so I did feel like I got to you know, share with her like, oh, like, you know, this, this, in this scene, this reminds me of um, what I went through back in, in, in high school and, and how I reacted and how I wish I could have reacted. And, and there were a lot of moments where she like, you know, gave me advice and, and gave me the courage to like, use that. You know, I remember her telling me like, okay, use that, portray that energy. You know, this is your story. This is, you know, it's, it's your Gia. I mean, you, you literally went through this, you know, now you get a second chance to go back in time and rewrite your, your story. And, you know, and we got to really talk about it. And I think, I think that was like really beautiful because it wasn't just like, Oh, follow the script. This is how things are going to be. This is how things are going to stay. No, it was more of like, we all, 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 everyone on set, we all went together. And, you know, I do think there was a few little moments where she just kind of rewrote the script a little bit or changed a few lines for So we felt more comfortable with the story. And, and that was, I think was a beautiful thing about how it was this, it was said to be one thing, but it became something even more special for me, for everyone else in, in the cast. And, and I think that's, that's what it was amazing that there was just so, so much vulnerability and so much real energy and real experiences that went into the show that I think made it such an amazing, amazing project to work with. And I mean, I was grateful every day to be on set and to feel like I'm just sharing my story. Uh, during filming the episode, was uh, were you a basketball player before that or was that a special skill on your uh, resume? Did you have to learn as you went? Oh my God, yes. Um, so I actually never played basketball uh <laughs> before the episode but i actually learned like i we had to learn and i got a basketball coach who who taught who taught us in the team and and then i actually ended up working um with another coach who who let me like practice some more and i actually loved it and i learned to love it and it's so funny because now I enjoy playing basketball. Once we wrapped the show, the first thing I did was like, I went to the store and I bought myself a basketball. And now I just love like going out and I play with my friends. And it was a lot of fun because it just kind of, kind of came naturally to me. I, the one thing that I, I feel like I'm very proud of is that I learned things very quickly. I enjoy, um, I enjoy like learning and like taking things and, and figuring out how they work or like a, if it's a game or, or, or like a, a little device or something. Like I always love just kind of like figuring stuff out or like taking things apart and being like, Oh, okay. And I remember that's what I did when I was younger. I would have like toy cars and I would like take them apart and like figure out how they put, how they went back together. Um, and, and I just enjoyed playing basketball so much and I kind of went, went with the flow and by the by the moments when we were shooting the big basketball games I felt like a little bit of a pro like I was really excited I was ready to show my moves and there was one it was one take that we were so upset that like no one filmed it but there was one take where I was just practicing and um and now I say like practice every rehearsal like tape every rehearsal 
And as I was I was practicing, I like shot the bat, shot the ball, and I made it from like a, the three pointer line, and everybody went crazy. Shakina was on the floor. <laughs> Everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, we should have recorded that!" And it was really exciting to just exciting. It was really exciting to show like my new love for the game, and to be able to show like I actually do enjoy basketball, and I got to play and and you know me and the girls love playing together so it was just a lot of fun uh anita played your bestie in this episode uh did you and her form like a friendship and did you form any other friendships while you're on the set yes most definitely uh me anita aaron and lucy actually all became really close and we all have our little quantum quantum lions uh group chat (laughs) that we're like always chatting in i actually saw anita uh this weekend and we went out to dinner and it was just really fun and and I feel like we really just connected, you know, we really all just became really close friends and I love them so much. They're so sweet. And I mean, it was funny. Like it did feel like we just became a team and we all just got to be ourselves. And on set while we were all together, we were always joking around, just making jokes, playing basketball, taking pictures. So we really, it really did feel like we were, 17 and in a basketball team and just being just besties all all the four of us albie i know you're gonna bust i know you want to ask about powers <laughs> well i got I, I have a few questions go on go on the main thing on my bucket list i think that i haven't done yet in life is go to paris and i want to so i, I love trip paris i i watched that preview uh you you look amazing in the show i i can't wait till it comes out i think what is it february 15th uh, February fourteenth. That makes sense. Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. All right. So, what was your yeah? What, what was your trip to Paris like? What can you tell us? Oh my gosh, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was a dream come true. It was my first time going to Paris. Um, so, without giving spoilers, uh, <laughs> it was my first time going to Paris, and it was just a dream. You know, I've always dreamt of going to Paris, and I mean, I love like the prison fashion, the food, the, the, just the, the buildings and like just how beautiful everything was. And to just be in Paris filming the show and, um, having a lot of fun meeting amazing people. It was just a dream come true. I mean, I definitely felt like I was living my rom-com movie moment Mm -hmm. and I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I can say, um, having been to Paris myself, it's a magical experience. So I, I hope that while you were there, you were able to explore some more parts of France. I know you were probably on a shooting schedule, so it might have been difficult. But, yeah, uh, I would yeah, recommend that. But it, <laughs> yeah, but it was amazing. It was so much fun. And I can't wait for you guys to see uh, my journey and to see the show. And I mean, it was a lot of fun. I also think that it's another great show because it also has um all of these queer characters in it you know and and that's was that was another another amazing thing that i'm just so grateful to be a part of you know we have uh myself a trans woman and we have um lacy and rose and caroline and you get to learn their stories on the show um but you know it also is another you know queer show and and i'm just so grateful that we are now starting to see shows like this you know shows where you get to see people fall in love or you know date and 
potentially, you know, magical things will happen. But I'm just really, really excited to to show that experience. And I hope that others get to see that and to realize like, wow, this is amazing. This is beautiful. We're, we're just all here trying to live our life. No, so um, I know Matt's been to Paris probably a couple of times. It's right around. It's right around the block for him. He's in the UK. He's just. <laughs> I never have. I He's never like, have. It's like a stone's throw, but, but uh... yeah. So I mean, now that um, you have that um, done, and Quantum Leap is uh, going to premiere, and everybody's going to see you, is there anything else that we can look forward to seeing you in? Uh, any other projects on the horizon that you can talk about? Um, not any projects I can talk about yet, but hopefully some new amazing things that I can share with you guys. And I'm just really excited to see what's to come and, and to see what, you know, what, what's going to happen. Do you have any special plans for so, your night of your episode? Uh, for Quantum Leap? Yes. So for Quantum Leap, we are having, um, a little premiere event, a little street screening, um, with the whole cast and on Monday night in Hollywood. And I'm really, really excited. Um, my parents get to come and they're actually coming from North California. And I'm really excited to, to see them and share what I've done and, and to finally, you know, get to see the episode and to see what people think. And I get to be with the, with my girls, um, from quantum leap. So we get to be together and get to watch the show and and i mean it's just going to be a dream come true and i'm just so grateful that i get to share this with a lot of people that i've met on the show a lot of my friends and my family so that is just a dream and i'm so grateful and and i give thanks every day for for being able to be here and to show show share my story and i'm just happy and excited (laughs) The episode turned out really well. You'll be very happy and proud of your work, I think. It's yeah. it's, it's one of the best episodes of Quantum Leap yes. of all time, I think, in my opinion. So, oh my god, yeah. job well done! Oh my god, you're so sweet. Of all time, of job all well time, done. yeah. We, <laughs> yeah, and we we've yeah. commented before. Um, I guess this is a question we we normally ask, but since you're so young, we we kind of assume that we already know the answer. Were you familiar with the original Quantum Leap before um, hearing about this this role, before participating in the new series? I I wasn't too familiar with the show, but my dad, my, my stepdad, he actually, um, my stepdad, I call him dad, um, but he actually watched the show when he was younger. And he, when I told him about it and he was like, you're joking. And I was like, yes, like, have you heard it? And he's like, yes, I have. <laughs> and so he was a fan and he's actually so sweet. He's so excited for me. He's like told all of our family and his like coworkers. And when he saw the trailer, he like showed his boss and was showing all of his coworkers like, that's my daughter. She's on quantum leap. So that to me was so sweet. And I'm just so happy that that I get to be a part of this amazing show and and to kind of, you know, just I mean, it did so amazing the first time and to be a part of the the second time around and just to give it a second life and to be a part of it. It's just so amazing. So I'm so grateful. And I'm really excited for my dad because he's just he is over the moon. He is so (laughs) proud of me. He's like my girls on quantum leap. Like, oh, my gosh. And he's just he started, I think, rewatching some of the old episodes. Um, I think he found them like on Amazon and 
and now he's just so excited and he's like gone through the new new episodes for quantum leap and he's like oh my gosh i'm so excited and it just feels amazing so jesseline thank you so much for your time um it's as i say it's, it's a great episode we've we all loved it um i think that's uh, that's come across in this interview um and uh, i hope a lot of the uh, the listeners and the watchers will follow you and um and be watching love trip paris uh february 14 three form yes three yep. form hulu uh, the next so, day yeah fabulous um so yeah thank you so much for your time you're you're enthusiasm for, for quantum leap and for love trip has been infectious um we've we've just had a real pleasure talking to you oh Thanks. my gosh thank you so much and it was a pleasure speaking with you guys and i'm so grateful for being on on your show mm-hmm.